February 10th, 2019. That was the day my first episode of this podcast was uploaded. When I talked about Kenny Omega coming to AEW. And you know, as I look back, as I look back at um, this time as yesterday, which was Thursday, um, was International Podcast Day, I look back at my journey of being a podcaster. And lo and behold, I'm very proud of where I'm at right now. Like, producing episodes week to week, trying to do, like, big reviews, like, big pay-per-view matches, like, big pay-per-view shows, like, Full Gear, or TakeOver, or WrestleMania, like, I always like to put in the work as I can, and, you know, I, I just, I'm just thankful for what I've done, and I consider this a really cool hobby for me, besides streaming on Twitch. Now, what I, like, I, I want to read something that I put on Instagram, because this is something that is really the truth to what I said about my podcast. Because when I was writing this down on Thursday, I just felt like, speaking to people that want to get into uh, the podcasting business or being a, being a part of the podcast community. Now, as you know, this is my third year as a podcaster. And like I, I wrote, I try not to worry about the numbers and the reviews, but I always know what I can do to make the podcast better. And I'm focused in long term on my plans regarding my podcast and I have faith that it'll play out in a great way and I mentioned that there's a lot of great people who inspired me to get into the podcasting community and I'll just name a few people there's one in particular the Solomonster I listen to him every Sunday religiously I listen to his reviews and he is possibly in my honest opinion one of the best wrestling podcasters out there. And he's one of the reasons why I got into podcasting. Two come from a friend and family. Starting with my friend, my friend Kelsey, she had her podcast, Two-Face Wrestle Talk. And and I, it was during the time when I was working that NFC Championship at the Superdome. And I asked her, What's it like being a podcaster? And, I, and she told me it was really fun. You you should try it out. And lo and behold, I'm sitting here in my room with a microphone, with a laptop, and just recording what I love, and that's pro wrestling. And, of course, the big one goes to my partner in crime, my cousin-slash-brother, Rizu. I call him Rizu because uh, I'm Shino. He's like a brother to me. We're the Phoenix Brothers. Um, he started his podcast and I started and I just told him I want to start mine and lo and behold, we're doing like, lo and behold, just seeing how we were taken off, like by our own separate podcast was phenomenal. That's the best way I could say it. It's, it's phenomenal. And to them, I just say thank you from the bottom of my heart. 
And what I like to do, like moving forward, I want to inspire like other podcasters, like other people who want to get into podcasting. And um, I like the reason I want to do that is because I want to make a difference. Like I want to let people know that you can do this. Like it's really easy. You just have to. It's just timing is really important. And I know you guys don't want to hear me rambling. You want to hear me talk wrestling. Just be patient with me. But, like, if I would tell you my long goal, long-term plan, my goal is to interview uh, a famous wrestler. Like, I just want to have them on my show and just talk professional wrestling and their journey. And I also want to put... I also want to do like this show future of wrestling where I interview, where I interview, uh, up and coming wrestlers and just tell them what their goal is, what their dream opponent is. It's just the usual, what's your dream match and all that other stuff. And I could hear a car in the background, but, um, I want to inspire people. And I think I'm doing just that. To anybody who wants to be a podcaster, you can do this. You just need to have faith in yourself. Cause I have faith in I have faith in myself. And look where I'm at right now. I am literally one hundred plus episodes in right now. And I, to close out this opening monologue for me, if you want to talk about anything, like Hell, my cousin, my brother, they talk anything, whether it's video games, whether it's wrestling, just anything that's on their mind. They, like, you want to talk video games? Make a podcast about video games. You want to talk about sports like football, basketball, or soccer, hockey, baseball, or, well, like I'm talking professional wrestling, do that. Do that. You want to talk about movies, TV shows? Do that. You want to talk about what's going on in the real world? Do that. Because I know you can do it. You just need to put the time into it. And I promise you, I promise you, everything will be perfect. Always have a long-term gain and always be positive in yourself. Because I know that if you can do this, like if you can do it, I know that I'm making a difference. Like, if I can do it, you can do it. So, make sure you guys write about what you like. Like, have a separate journal or something. Like, have a notebook or write it on your phone. Type it on your phone. What do you like? And circle the things that you really like. And make a podcast out of it. And boom, you are good to go. And... If that message gets across to everybody, then I know that I'm doing my job. So, that out of the way, this is episode 134 of No One's Ready for Wrestling. I am the one and only Phoenix that rises from the ashes. This is your boy, Shino D. Phoenix here. I want to thank y'all so much for tuning in as I love talking about pro wrestling. I love, um, like, it's a passion and I just love to uh, give my analogy on the show. Like on shows that I watch and news that I read. It's a podcast full of honesty. And 
if you have not subscribed on iTunes or if you're not following on on any platform, do so. That way you guys can stay up to date because, look, I'm the kind of guy that wants to be consistent when it comes to podcasting. And that's that. Also, mailbags are still open if you want to email me your questions. It doesn't have to be wrestling related. It could be about anything, but I know it's going to be wrestling related, so I don't mind. Um, Make sure you guys... Uh, email me, the one and only Phoenix, 1993 at gmail.com. Please include your name and where you're from. That way I can shout you out on the show. And because I care for my listeners. So just want to give y'all the heads up on that. The mailbag will always be open. Instead of me keeping it closed, I'm just going to keep it open. So I want to see those awesome questions. Keep them coming. So, lot to go over. We're, do, we're going to do quick thoughts on Extreme Rules. We're going to talk about the draft. Uh, we're going to talk AEW. We're going to talk about a rumored location for a UK pay-per-view, which I'm actually excited for, for WWE. And just a lot of news and just results from the fallout of Raw after Extreme Rules. And so on and so forth. So... That's what's going to be going on today. And you guys who've been listening to my podcast, if, you, if you've been a regular, you guys know the drill. If you're new, write this down because I say it every time. I don't even need to look at my phone to, to uh, do this. If you're not following me on Twitter, make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at SheenoDPhoenix. I do live tweet for Raw. I do live tweet for NXT, for AEW, for SmackDown. And on rare occasions, I do live tweet for NXT UK, uh, Ring of Honor, Shine, um, NWA, Impact, New Japan, and other rest- some other things besides wrestling. So, if you want to see my p- opinions and my take on some of these shows I watch, follow me on Twitter, Shino D Phoenix. And I also use Twitter to promote my Twitch. Speaking of which, make sure you guys follow me on Twitch, Shino Phoenix. I do stream video games. I I love video games. That's my other hobby. And you get to see me play video games and entertaining you guys for uh for your amusement and my amusement as well. <laughs> so. Um, if you ask me what games I love to stream, I do love Fall Guys. I stream that a lot. I dedicated a I dedicate a day for that. Uh, I do love Apex, and I love Overwatch. But I'm trying to be a variety streamer, so I'm trying to get some uh, games that I will that I might play. So that's that. If you don't have an inst- if you have Instagram, follow me, Cool Man Sip. That's C Y P, by the way. Um, I just post personal, personal stuff. You want to see the real me, the personal me, make sure you come and look, feel free to do so. And also, if you have Facebook, like the Facebook page, no one's ready for wrestling. That, that way you guys can stay up to date. And, um, that way I can post episodes on there for you Facebook guys and gals. And if there's something that's happening, I will let you guys know on what's going on with the podcast. So, again, 
like the Facebook page, and we'll be good to go. Now, we're going to kick things off with the extreme rules. We're just going to do quick thoughts on it. I'm not I'm not going to go into all the details over uh over this. But um extreme rules took place in Columbus, Ohio at the Nationwide Arena. And I went into this pay-per-view with low expectations, low expectations. But on the whole, I thought the pay-per-view was actually pretty decent. It was pretty good. Like some of the all the like some of the matches pretty much delivered. And I enjoyed uh well, I did not enjoy the ending of the main event. I'll get into that later. But um we do have news regarding one person that was in this pay-per-view. And we'll start off with uh the pre-show. Now, the main card, it was supposed to be Liv Morgan versus Carmella. That got bumped to the pre-show. And they had a decent match. They had a decent uh, showing. And Liv Morgan, she got the win over Carmella. They had a fine match. I mean, I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to try and go into details about it. It was, it was bumped, but it was fine. It was a fine match. The main card opened with the New Day taking on Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles, and Omos. And I thought the opening was great. I love the opening. And I thought the ending was really cool too. You had AJ Styles tagging in. He's about to hit the phenomenal forearm. Bobby Lashley tags in, like blind tags him. And AJ misses the forearm. And Lashley accidentally spears AJ. And Big E hits the big ending. And he pins Bobby Lashley to win for the team. And I thought everybody did their part. They did really great. And um, let's see. And it also set up Lashley versus Big E on Raw, which we will talk about later. Because trust me, I really have a lot of great things to say about the opening. Like, and it involves a stable returning. And it also involves the ending of the show. So there's your little hint right there. But the New Day, they got they got the win. Feat, they had to feature the WWE Champion some way, somehow. But it was a really great opening match. I fucking loved the Usos versus the Street Profits. This was awesome. This was an awesome match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. These guys have amazing fucking chemistry. Just amazing chemistry. That's the best way I could say it. But man, like, and you know Montez went into this match with a damaged ribs because he got beaten up. Uh, He got beaten up on the go-home show on SmackDown, even though having a great outing against Roman, Roman Reigns. I thought these guys had a kick-ass match, and the Usos, they retained, and I thought it was a, it was really great. Now, as for the Street Profits, I'll talk about the draft later on when we get to the WWE portion of the show. Um, the Street Profits, I mean, I don't know what they might do next on SmackDown. I'm just throwing that out there. But the Usos remain dominant as champions. What I thought was a come-down match was Charlotte Flair versus Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's title. Charlotte was the champion. Um, they had a fine match, just 
I was I really wasn't feeling it. Now, Alexa Bliss, this was in her hometown, Columbus, Ohio, if I'm correct. And I will admit this. There was no magic. There was no um bullshit. It was just a straight wrestling match. And I will give props to Alexa Bliss. I will give props for her hitting the prettiest code red that I've ever seen. I, I just love the code red. It's such a really awesome move. And I think Charlotte sold it well. Now, we had Alexa trying to go for Twisted Bliss. Charlotte got the knees up. And then came the ending. The ending has Charlotte Flair holding Lily the doll. And Alexa just stops because that's her kryptonite. So Charlotte throws the doll, throws Lily the doll at Alexa, hits a big boot on her. And Charlotte wins with natural selection. And you know, Charlotte has been winning a lot of matches with natural selection instead of the figure eight. So I don't know what that might mean, but who knows? I think, I I just don't know. Now, post-match. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Charlotte Flair, she tosses Alexa out of the ring. Like, she just throws her out of the ring. Takes Lily the doll. Rips it up. And she pretty much committed murder to a doll. And Alexa, she just attacked her, but Charlotte gained the upper hand and just sent her uh, through the commentary table. Now, there's a possible reason for that. And, like, before we get into the reason, you had Alexa just coming here, look, like, recovering, looks at Lily the doll, and she's just, she's just shocked. She's crying. She's screaming. And she's, and you can see that white tablet that, like, she was supposed to be foaming in the mouth when uh, she reached the ramp, but you could clearly see the tablet. Now, there's a reason about what they did to Lily. Now, Alexa is going to be taking some time off from WWE. Now, Wrestling Inc., they reported that Bliss is set to take time off from television, and last night's angle... And the angle with Charlotte Flair ripping up Lily the doll may have been her last match for a while with the company. Now, n- now we know this typical plans could change, and they could still have her appear tonight. Well, they did. Well, she was not on Raw. She was not there for one final segment before she goes home. Now, the story on Wrestling Inc. noted that while it's not known exactly how long she'll be gone. It's expected to be at least a full month. So, like, um, at some WWE shows, fans have been chanting for Bray Wyatt during Alexa's matches. So, it would make sense that they might take that gimmick to avoid the connection uh, as he's expected to sign with another promotion. But there's an update regarding Alexa Bliss. And this is according to PW Insider. They reported that Bliss will be scheduled for an upcoming sinus surgery. And the time frame of her return to action is not known at this time. So, we won't be seeing Bliss for quite a while. And I got a lot to say about the Raw Women's Division. Like, literally, I got a lot to say. When we get to Monday Night Raw and we talk about Charlotte Flair... And, and her open challenge. Like, I'm doing that in air quotes because it was already answered, like, before the like before the match was uh, official. 
So, anyway, I don't know what they're going to do with Alexa Bliss when she gets back. Maybe we might see the goddess again. But if this is the end of her gimmick, like, I, I was not a fan of the Lily stuff. I really wasn't. But I will give Alexa credit. I thought she did a really great job of playing her character. I thought her character was, uh, how would I put it? Like, she was into the role. Now, if this is a character change, by all means, I think it's a good change. I think it really is a good change. If you were to ask me. Anyway, going back to the show, I thought the United States Championship match between Priest, Sheamus, and Jeff Hardy, they had a kick-ass match. I thought it was really good. Um, I thought Jeff Hardy was there to take the pin. But Sheamus got pinned instead. And Damian Priest, he retains the United States title. And... And I got to say this about Damian Priest. Out of all the call-ups on NXT, Damian Priest has to be the most successful one right now. Like, in this current stage. Like, he's having good matches. And I'm not even going to take anything away from Sheamus. He could put on a fucking match. Like, he could put on a really good match. Not just good, but great and awesome. And Jeff Hardy, I mean... What, what else is there to say about Jeff Hardy? He's, he's incredible. And I thought these guys did really good. They did really good. So Damian Priest, he retains. The SmackDown Women's Championship ended in a no contest. And I thought they had a really good match. And when Bianca, I believe Bianca hit the KOD, out comes a returning Sasha Banks. That was one return, and I'm like, I am happy to see Sasha Banks back, and she looks too damn good. So the match ended in a no contest, or maybe Becky retains via disqualification. So Sasha hits Bianca with the backstabber, and I I just love this photo every time I see it. You have Becky holding the SmackDown Women's Championship, nervously putting the thumbs up. Nervously holding the thumbs up. And I'm just looking at this and I'm like, (laughs) she looks so fucking nervous. And Sasha, being Sasha, gives Becky the backstabber. You get a backstabber. You get a backstabber. You all get fucking backstabbers. And I know we're going to hear from Sasha tonight on SmackDown. I don't know if we're going to have a triple threat on SmackDown. I don't know if Sasha might. I don't know. Maybe Sasha might move to Monday Night Raw, or they might move Bianca to Monday Night Raw. I could see that. Because I, I know she wants to go up against Charlotte Flair. So they might, like, I think that's probably the, that's probably the idea they're going to have. Maybe they're going to announce it on Monday instead of Friday. So I think that's what I feel like is going to happen. I think Sasha and Becky might stay. Even though I said I was going to talk about the draft when we get to the WWE portion. Well, technically it is half of the WWE portion. So, we'll just see. And then we got the Extreme Rules match. For the Universal Championship. This match was going good. Okay? Now, Roman Reigns, I did see him put on his mask when he went to the crowd. And look, that mask looks badass on Roman Reigns. 
And look, the guy had leukemia, so he doesn't want to risk catching anything from uh, the crowd if they got vaccinated or not. So, he played it safe. Now, here's where the issue I had came. The ending. Now, Roman speared Finn Balor through the barricade. And the lights went red, okay? And you hear that heartbeat, that boom, 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 boom. And Finn is like, he's resurrecting himself. Like he's resuscitating himself. And he gets up, no sells the spear through the barricade with his powers, beats up Roman, hits the Shogun dropkick on the outside, and Roman jumps to and lands on a table. And you know what it reminds me of? Like, have you ever watched one of those martial art movies or one of those action movies when somebody does like this jumping kick and the person who takes it literally sells it? Like, they have to jump in the air and pretend it, the effect, like, it affected them, like, boom, ah, and just jump in slow motion. That's what it reminded me of. So, I'm like, okay, this is fine, but the red stuff is just kind of cheesy. And, oh boy. Finn Balor goes up top. Goes up top. Preparing for the fucking coup de gras. And he goes up top. And all of a sudden, the fucking ring, like, not the fucking ring, the top rope, decides to fucking fall. And Finn just literally sells it like he hurt his knee or something. I don't know if it was legit, but if he's selling it, he did a pretty damn good job. And then Roman spears him, and that was it. And I was just like, this is so fucking anticlimactic. The match was good, don't get me wrong, but that ending sucked. That ending was so terrible. And I know there's going to be people saying, well, uh, this is just our way to uh, protect the demon. This is our way to protect the demon. How is that protecting the demon Finn Balor? How is that protection? Like, how do you protect that? People are going to remember the demon for that. Like, that was just so stupid. That was so fucking stupid. That's the best way I can say about it. it. It was dumb. Absolutely dumb. Like, I was not a fan of that. Yes, Roman retained, but it was... Everybody knew that from a country mile because you announced Brock Lesnar versus Roman at Crown Jewel. It was a dead giveaway. Balor had no chance. Like, overall, I thought it was... A solid pay-per-view, but I just did not like that ending of that match. That just really rubbed me the wrong way. I, I just, I did not like it. I didn't like it. it. It was terrible. But overall, Extreme Rules, solid thumbs up. Gets like a solid thumbs up, slightly. But went in there with low expectation, expe expectation, I can't even fucking speak. Like I went there low, and some of the matches were pretty good. So it gets, and I thought the match at the night went to um, the Street Profits versus the Usos. I thought they had a kick-ass tag team championship match. That's just my honest opinion. So that's that. So that's Extreme Rules. Let's go to AEW. And usually we start the show with AEW. CM Punk. CM Punk, he wants to face the Lucha Bros. 
in a massive stipulation match. Ooh. Now, many consider CM Punk's debut last month in Rampage to be one of the greatest moments in company history, which it is, and it's hard to argue why. And to add to that, his debut might even make it to the Guinness World Record. Punk himself absolutely loved his debut in AEW, and it was said that AEW had no idea what Punk was going to say in his promo during Rampage. Now, CM Punk has stated that he wanted to team up with Brian Danielson to square off against the Young Bucks, and Brian was down for the opportunity, and he did a Q&A session on Twitter when a fan asked CM Punk to mention three dream matches that can that can happen in AEW. Now, Punk revealed to have singles matches against Brian Danielson, even though they had matches in WWE, but this time it's different. And Kenny Omega, I think that's going to be really good. And then CM Punk added that he wanted to partner up with Brian Danielson to square off against the Lucha Bros in a stipulation match in Mexico City. And this is what he said. Brian Omega, me, Brian versus the Lucha Bros, mass title versus hair beard match in Mexico City. Now that would be insane. They will go all out in this match. I know this. But man, I think that would be really cool. That would be a really cool match. Because knowing Ray Phoenix and Penta, those guys can fucking go. Brian Danielson versus Ray Phoenix. Inject that shit in my veins. Like CM Punk. His star power says it all. He will make this must watch. I'm calling it right now. And I think that's going to happen one day. Who knows? Now, let's talk about Adam Cole. You know it's all about the boom, which reached number one on iTunes, which congrats to Adam Cole and AEW. That's That theme goes hard. Now, Adam Cole, he wrestled all around the world, while make, and he made his way to NXT. He had a stand in New Japan, and he would like to do more of that. He has fond memories of the pro wrestling circuit prior to his time in Vince McMahon's company, and the world seems to be wide open for him. He was the recent guest on oral sessions with Renee Paquette and Adam Cole opened up about the forbidden door. He said, I would like to go back to new Japan and work for that company more in the future. Now that he's an AEW, it is possible. I mean, look, they got Eddie Kingston working a new Japan match, like a rematch between Lance Archer and, um, who is also part of AEW and Minoru Suzuki. Like, they're doing the rematch from uh, Rampage, but it's going to be in New Japan. Um, he said, New Japan is something I like to do more of. I had done a fair amount of tours. It was almost 10. I got to wrestle at Corcoran Hall and the Tokyo Dome and Sumo Hall and all these really cool venues. I enjoyed my time there, and right as I was kind of finding my footing there or gaining momentum, that's that was when I left. The chance to go back there would be really cool. I think back so fondly of my time in Ring of Honor, PWG. I had some some of the time of my life there. I got my start in CZW, which is where I met John. There's a bunch of really cool things that I would like to do. Independent wrestling is a blast. And I, I, I would love to see him in New Japan again. I mean, open that forbidden door. Like, let him do more. 
Adam Cole versus Will Ospreay for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. I mean, sign me up. I think that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Adam Cole versus Kota Ibushi. That would be another great match. Um, I'm just thinking of a lot of good ideas for Adam Cole to face people who he should face in New Japan. Zack Sabre Jr. That would be nice. That would be so fucking nice. I mean, you got Jeff Cobb. Why not him? That would be pretty cool as well. But, I mean, I think that would be a... I really want to see Adam Cole do more in New Japan. I think they might, they're going to allow him to do that. And I think that would be really cool. So, we'll save that one for later. Let's talk about Tony Khan and the AEW EVPs. Now, AEW, they opened their door with a few big names as executive vice president. Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks all share that title, but they do not perform the same functions at all. The company started in one direction, but Tony Khan was always the boss, and his influence in the company has only grown from the start. Bodyslam.net, Cassidy Hayes, uh, reported that AEW's creative process, for those who want to know, changed a lot since the company began. Sources reportedly stated um, that creative responsibilities was taken away from Omega, Rhodes, and the Bucks, and it is 100% Tony Khan's show now. Now, they said, well, he said, sources within the company have told me that the creative was essentially completely taken away from the executive vice president, as basically everything now comes through down to Tony Khan. Now, it was reported that stars are allowed and encouraged to pitch whatever they might have. That being said, Tony Khan is still the final decision maker for the company's creative direction. And creative is absolutely Tony Khan's prerogative now, one source told uh, the outlet. He maintains full control of Rampage, Dark, and Dark Elevation. Now, it was previously reported that um, Tony Khan took over editing responsibilities for Dark as well. Khan also recently be- stated in an interview that he believes AEW runs better with every new job he takes on. Now, he seems to be doing a good enough job as their viewership remains consistently impressive with the demographics that either match or beat Raw. Now, if you want to know what the EVPs are doing now, and also Cody Rhodes, his relationship with the other EVPs, is reportedly, according to Bodyslam.net again, non-existent. And Bodyslam.net revealed that uh, Cody Rhodes is the only executive vice president who regularly attends office meetings as an office regular. He doesn't have much of a relationship with any of the EVPs at this point. Now, it is reported that the others are still great friends, but Cody is very much on the outside looking in. Matt Jackson takes care of assisting his wife Dana in her her job with merchandising as Nick Jackson handles being the elite. And you got Kenny Omega who is very hands-on with the AEW games. And he oversees those various projects and puts together the game inside of things. The company spent a ridiculous amount of money to get the game and division going. And Tony Khan does not regret it one bit. So... Literally, TK, he pulled back on the rein and took that power away from them all. This was 
This is noted by the source. Basically, they are EVPs in name only in 2021. They no longer have the final say in creative or talent hiring. Any of them, TK pulled back on the reins and took that power away from all. And we mentioned Khan took, also took creative responsibilities away from the EVPs. Now, the saying, now interestingly enough, the saying is 100% true that if Vince McMahon could do every job in WWE, then he would. Tony Khan has already received comparisons to a young Vince McMahon Jr. Like, I don't think, like, here's my take on this. Tony Khan, he's, he's a smart booker. I don't see this as an issue. The shows are still fun and enjoyable. Now, if there's something that I don't like, I will literally come out and say that I don't like it. Now, Cody Rhodes, he's handling the uh, business, like the meetings, like I'm, like they mentioned. Matt Jackson is handling the merchandise with his wife. Nick's doing BTE. Kenny Omega's doing um, the video games. And here's what I'll say on this: like, like I, like I mentioned before. Tony Khan, he's smart. He listens to the audience. And as that quote mentioned, they could have talent pitch ideas. Like they have creative input and they could pitch ideas, but the final say has to come to TK. And nine times out of 10, I guarantee those creative inputs are approved when done right. So I don't see this as an issue like... Like, this is still in this infancy, and they got surprises. You just need to be prepared for it. TK knows what he's doing. Like, it's not the end of the world for Cody and the Bucks and Omega that they lost their creative, that they no longer have the final say in creative. It's not the end of the world. It's not. That's the best way I could say it. So, moving on, let's talk about Roosh. And yes, Roosh is currently in Ring of Honor, but he will be a free agent soon. His contract comes up in January, and he's been listening to offers from other promotions. Now, Roosh, he was interviewed from Sp- Sports Illustrated that his contract expires in January. So far, he we have not talked about a contract renewal. He says that he's grateful for ROH, and he's also a man of challenges and goals, and he's open to listening to everyone. Now, he is going to be out of action for the rest of the year after undergoing knee surgery, and he suffered the injury after the Glory Bayana show last month. Now, since Roosh is going to be a free agent next year, by January, he is friends with Andrade. Don't you think that Andrade wants uh, Roosh to come to AEW? I would not be surprised if that happens. Like Andrade himself said, he told people that he would like his family and friends to join him in the promotion. And if Roosh can come to AEW, I mean, that's a nice get. That's a nice get for this company. Now, of course, there will have, there will be other offers from WWE, like even though they say we're not going to focus on the independent talent, you know they're going to find somebody from the indies i i don't buy that impact new japan and others so it's a possibility he'll go elsewhere but 
Roosh and AEW, I think that would be a really nice get. I think it would be a nice get. And you form a stable with Andrade. Like, you form the own, his own Los Angeles on AEW. And I will throw a little theory out on... Let's see. If I will throw a theory, just a little theory, after Dynamite, because the Lucha Bros were backstage, and I have a possible idea what might happen. Not not a possible idea, but just a hinge and what I think is going to happen. So, that's that. Now, speaking of surprises, many people are hoping that Bray Wyatt, Mike Rotunda, signs with uh, AEW. But according to Alvarez, he says he doesn't believe that Bray Wyatt will be signing with AEW. Even Melson said that Wyatt is not likely to appear on Dynamite since AEW was in Rochester, New York, the home of Brody Lee, and we'll get to him later. This is what Alvarez uh, said. He said, as far as the former Bray Wyatt goes, I mentioned weeks ago that I do not believe that the former Bray Wyatt is going to AEW. If you ask me, this is not confirmed because nothing is confirmed until somebody signs elsewhere. The impression I have is it is more likely that he is going to Impact Wrestling, which, look, I think Bray Wyatt and Impact would be fantastic. Can you imagine him leading the fuck leading Decay? That would be dope. That would be dope. If that happens at Slammiversary, if he makes his debut in Slammiversary, I'm going to cry. That would be awesome. But here's the deal. Anything is possible. I believe 100% that when we do this show tomorrow, I will alert you that he was not on the show because I, like 99%, believe that he's not going to be on the show tonight. Now, if he somehow negotiated an early release from his WWE contract, even if he signs with Impact untimely or whatever, it is impossible that he will make an appearance on the show as part of the tribute show for Brody Lee. No, it's not impossible, but I don't think it's happening. I don't think that he's going to be signing with AEW. I know there's a lot of rumors out there. Now, Alvarez noted how AEW pretty much told fans outright saying that, outright saying if if that CM Punk and Brian Dan- Danielson were signing, there have been zero hints that Wyatt is signing. Now, another name that is more likely to sign with Impact is Braun Strowman. Scott DeMore hinted a couple weeks ago that Strowman might be headed for Impact soon. And if Wyatt and Strowman are signed, then it would be it would make sense for them to hold off on their debut until Bound for Glory. Now, Alvarez said on Wrestling Observer Live that his gut tells him that Strowman is not likely going to be signed with AEW. And, look, Braun, I, I don't see him in AEW. Like, I don't see that happening. Um, I think Impact is a nice destination for him. I even mentioned that. Bray Wyatt in AEW, I think that would be really cool. And you could have him take charge of the Dark Order. But again, I don't see it happening. But if he goes to Impact, there's a lot of there's a lot of good ideas. He could lead a decay. Like he could he could make his own stable. I don't know. I'm just throwing some ideas out there. But I think that would be pretty cool. But looks like we won't be seeing Bray at Be All Elite. 
But you know, never say never. Plans can change. That's the key. That's the three simple words. Plans can change. Just never know when. Now, this is a heartwarming story that I loved, that I read, and I thought this was just really cool. Uh, the family and friends of John Huber, um, they announced the creation of the John Huber Legacy Foundation. This was the uh, statement. Um, Late wrestler's wife and brother start a non-profit. John Huber Legacy Foundation will honor the late wrestler's dedication to family and his career. September 29th, on the same day as All Elite Wrestling makes his debut in John Huber's hometown in Rochester, New York, um, his family and friends are uh, announcing the creation of John Huber's Legacy Foundation. The foundation will, will focus on providing support to people in creative fields who have not taken the next step in their career because of family obligations. Now, Amanda Huber said John almost gave up on his dream of wrestling because of his family, but he got a call to move up to WWE while we were in the hospital with our first child. I can't think of a better way of honoring this commitment to commitment to family and his career than to help other people who are facing the same dilemma. Beginning in 2022, the foundation will select a group of creative individuals to support with resources, connections, practical skills, and direct funding. The cohort will meet throughout the year to learn from experts in areas including business planning, artist management, public relations, brand management, finances, and IP law. These skills and connection will help them provo provide for their families while also helping them pursue many pursue their dreams. Um many artists and wrestlers are never taught how to manage their finances, investments, and assets in a way to make sure their family is secure, said Chris Huber. Like our father, John always wanted to make sure he was making decisions that were the right decision, not only for his career, but also for his family. The foundation will announce this first application round in early 2022. I think this is great, man. Really great. Like, it's another great way to honor the legacy that is Brody Lee, John Huber, Luke Harper. Just, it's just so good, man, to hear stories like this. And just know that he's still here with us. And we'll talk dynamite because they actually did a nice little tribute. Like, the Dark Order, they had their match. And I thought it was really fun. There's your little spoiler right there. But I'm just happy that there's an organization to honor the legacy that is John Huber. I love it. I think it's great. Really great stuff to hear. Now, quickly, we'll talk Dark. There was only three matches on the show. Dark Elevation. Thunder Rosa defeated Kayla Sparks. You got the Dark Order. Uh, consisting of Alex Reynolds, John Silver, Alan Angels, and 10, Preston Vance, defeating Dean Alexander, Kevin Tibbs, Eric James, and TJ Crawford. Paul White defeated Ricky Shane Page, VSK, and CPA, and the rest of the show was just the backstage uh, uh, reaction to some of the matches, like, like after the matches or 
just interviews and we had the acclaim do their rap battle against TK and it was all right. I thought it was all right for what it was. So that was dark elevation. AEW dark. We saw Santana Garrett. Now Santana Garrett revealed that she's in talks with a uh, wrestling, co- with other wrestling companies. Now, I don't know where she might land, but look, Santana Garrett is too damn good. Like, and it still baffles me that WWE had Santana Garrett and they did nothing. They did absolutely nothing with her. Like, she just sat in the back, wasting away. Last time I saw her had a match on WWE was at the Royal Rumble. And it's a sin that they let her go. But you know what? It's good that they let her go because she could go out there and show the world what, uh, They missed out on. And I'm a big fan of Santana Garrett. I love Santana. And she had a backstage interview with Alex Marvez, only to get interrupted by Diamante. So she's going to have a big match on Dark next week. We had Thunder Rosa defeated Nikita Knight. Private Party defeated Carly Bravo. Kiara Hogan defeated Layla Gray. Now there's news regarding Kiara Hogan. Because according to Excalibur on... uh, like, according to Excalibur, um, he revealed that Kiara Hogan has a, has officially signed with AEW. Like, this was during AEW Dark, and Excalibur said that um, she has signed a deal with the company, and I believe she's also dating Diamante. So, this was during the entrance of her show. So, on the show, so... Kiara Hogan's a nice get for uh, AEW and a nice little boost to the women's division. So, Kiara Hogan, she got a win over Layla Gray. Preston Vance defeated Brandon Gore. Cesar Bononi and Adrian Jaoud, a.k.a. Arturo Huas, made his AEW debut. They took on uh, Jake St. Patrick and Ryzen, in which they won. I could see that being a tag team. Cesar Bononi and Arturo... Uh, Adrian Jaoud as a tag team. I see that. Lance Archer defeated Arjun Singh. My boy Ricky Starks defeated Darius Lockhart. The Dark Order defeated Adrian Alanis and Liam Gray. Skulk for life. Skulk for life between these two. Julia Hart defeated Reka Tahaka. Bear Country defeated Brick Aldridge and Jameson Ryan. And Dante Martin and Matt Seidel defeated a factory which consisted of Aaron Solo and QT Marshall. So that was dark. AEW Dynamite took place in Rochester, United, no, Rochester, New York at the Blue Cross Arena. This show was dedicated to Brody Lee, and I thought they had a really fun show. I thought the show was really enjoyable. The opening was fantastic. I enjoyed the opening of this match. Yeah, Adam Cole versus Jungle Boy. They had a kick-ass match. There was one spot where Jungle Boy did a jumping Rana off, like just out off the ring, and like Adam Cole was standing on the apron, right, jumping Rana over the top rope and on the outside, which I thought looked amazing. Grandma Elite did it. Ricochet did it. It's just people who have these, who do these types of moves. It's just insane uh, like it was a great it was really a great opener Adam Cole hit the Panama Sunrise which is a Canadian destroyer hits 
the boom, which is literally the shining wizard, which that's the that's what he's calling it. The, I mean, I prefer last shot. I think it's a really nice uh, name to it. The last shot. Who knows, mate? But boom, it'll get used to. It. I'll get used to it. But Adam Cole won. No interference from the elite, which was not needed. And I thought this was a kick-ass match. We see the elite come out, and Carl Anderson he's introducing uh, the group and explain how the elite features a group of like those in the ring. I used to respect Carl Anderson. Now I don't respect Carl Anderson, and there's a reason why. Hint: Daphne, like, like um, and I already talked about that situation when uh when Daphne. Um, committed suicide. That was one of the hardest news to just hear. And just Carl Anderson being just a prick when WWE's telling people, uh, telling their talent, if, if you need help, we got people who will help you. And he just, I just lost respect from him when he did shit like that. Like, I'm just being honest with you guys. And I don't care if it's him being in character or if it's just him being bitter. But I just felt it was unnecessary and not the right time. So that's just a little quick recap. Now Cole says he um he told the world that he was going to be Jungle Boy and that's what he did. And I did it by myself. And he mentions that I'm undefeated here in AEW. And Brandon Cutler's trying to cut a promo which Matt and Nick tells him to shut up. Like, they all tell him to shut up. And Nick says, do you guys want to hear the best promo in the world? And it's Nakazawa. And he goes to talk, but the crowd is chanting CM Punk. Kenny Omega takes over, telling him to shut up, be silent. And CM Punk was on commentary. We didn't get no hook. We didn't get no hook. Send hook. He, now Kenny Omega tells them silence and he says all I see everywhere is people telling telling me about my match where Brian Danielson was one of the greatest match and he said Brian you put up a good fight but here's the problem the problem was you didn't get the job done and your record is zero and zero so you get no rematch you won't Fight me in the ring again. And out comes Brian Danielson. And he asks the crowd if they want to see the rematch in which they're chanting yes. And Brian says the fans want it. I want it. But Omega doesn't have the balls to give it to him. And the crowd proceeded to chant no balls. And he says, I present to you guys Kenny No Balls Omega. I actually laughed at that. I'm like... That's a shirt. Make that a shirt. Kenny No Balls Omega. And Omega's just throwing a fit. We did not even see Don Callis. Which I did not mind. Don Callis was not needed. And Danielson said, fine. I'll challenge anyone in the Elite to a match on Rampage. And Omega's like, why wait? Let's just do it now. And Danielson's like, okay. You want to do it now? But I got a few friends to even things up. And out comes Frankie Kazarian. Out comes 
Jurassic Express, and out comes Christian Cage. They charge to the ring, and the Elite, they bail out. And we, um, we hear, like, it is revealed later during the show that Brian Danielson will take on Nick Jackson. So I think that should be a pretty good match, even though the show is already taped. So that's that. We cut backstage and we see Tony Schiavone. He's interviewing the Lucha Bros. Now, we all know what happens when there's an interview involving Tony Schiavone. Somebody interrupts. That's like a running gag now. And, I mean, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just a running gag. Now, he's wondering. Now, Andrade shows up and he's like, where's Pac? And that is a good question. Where the hell is Pac? Where is this guy? And Andrade's assistant says it's all it's about time they defend those AAA tag titles. Cause apparently Andrade has some f- people who may come for them. Phoenix says any place, anytime. And then uh Penta gives them Sierro Miedo. Now, I'm throwing this hunch out there. What if the Lucha Bros decide to side with Andrade? Since we haven't been seeing Pac that much, I know he's having, if I'm correct, I think he has a visa issue. I think that's what it is. Now, the AAA mega titles, maybe it's probably somebody from AAA. Who knows? Or what if it's him and Roosh? They're friends, so I could see that. That's a possibility. So, I think that would be uh, really cool. Like, I don't like I don't keep up with AAA that much, but knowing the Lucha Bros, they're going to go all out when it comes to defending their tag titles. Both of their tag titles. So, I don't know who it's going to be, but we're just going to have to wait and see. I thought the match with Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson versus Dante Martin and Matt Seidel was fun. A fun match. Lee Johnson and Dante Martin. I'm telling you right now. These guys are going to be the future. Like Dante Martin's like what? 20 years old? And he's pulling off insane stuff that is just beyond nature. And Lee Johnson is fucking fantastic. And also in this match. Cody Rhodes has been getting some booze. So. Just going to have to. That's kind of interesting because. I don't know. Maybe the crowd is just tired of seeing Cody. Anyway, but Lee Johnson pins Dante Martin in a fun match. But it was the post-match that was the best thing on this show. Now, Cody gets in the ring. He shakes Johnson's hand. Tony Schiavone, he's in the ring to talk to the winning team. And Cody calls for Malachi Black and on just pretty much tells him, just shut up. Like, tells him, stop talking. He said, you got destroyed in your first match. And... And he talks about how Malachi destroyed Lee Johnson. He destroyed Dustin. And then he said in your second match, you had Black 1. And then you go out and you check on me because I slipped. And he's like, it's not about me. To hell with me. And he says Black will do anything to win a match and destroy the man he he's with. Ax Lee. Ask my son Brock Anderson. And he and this is a good line. He said, There's a big difference between myself and you, Cody. 
If a man, and he uses this analogy of if someone tries to steal your car. If a man tries to steal your car, Cody will let him take it. But he said, if somebody tries to carjack me, I will pull a Glock. Pull out, pull out a Glock and blast him. And that got a nice reaction. I thought, damn, that was an awesome promo. And he says, I'm not going to stay with a loser who doesn't even listen to him. And he tells Lee to come on. And both of them left the ring. And Cody looked very confused. On Anderson, like now they're making memes of the Glock incident. And I'm like, man, there's a lesson that you should learn. Don't fuck with Arn Anderson. Don't fuck with Arn Anderson. That is the lesson right here. Do not fuck with Arn. Because if he pulls out a Glock, you're done. Like, I thought that was a really great line. We got John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, and Darby Allen versus Bear Country and Anthony Green. Anthony Green's another guy that they cut and look at and he got to compete on AEW on Dark and on Dynamite. This is his Dynamite debut. Very happy for him. Now, there was a funny moment during the entrance. Like, there was... You had Moxley, Kingston, Sting, and Darby coming out to Wild Thing. And Sting, he's trying to go over the barricade, but he's... You could tell by him smiling, like, I can't do it. Just open the barricade for me. I thought that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. But I thought this match was was okay. I mean, just to establish these three guys. I mean, there was a comedy spot where Anthony Green tried to do a crossbody in which both Eddie Kingston and Moxley no-sold, and he got destroyed. So, those three guys win. And Sting, of course, gives... Retro AG, um, a scorpion death drop for his trouble. Welcome, just welcome. But I thought it was a, a, a fine match. We hear from Ruby Soho. She mentions that I've never felt like I'm, I had so many people in her, in the corner against Britt Baker, and Britt is saying they just, they just like the song, not Ruby Soho, and. Baker proves, again, she's the most dominant. And so said, I'll be working my way back up and coming for that AEW title. So, that's what we got. We had Dark Order and Orange Cassidy taking on the Hardy, uh, taking on HFO. Now, Matt Hardy, he was already in, in the ring with his stable. And he's like, I was supposed to make my debut in Rochester, New York. But that got deleted. Thanks a lot, COVID. Thanks a lot. And that didn't happen. And he healed up on the, uh, on Rochester. And out comes Orange Cassidy with a nice pop. And the Dark Order come out with a big pop. And they were chance of Brody. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, if Brody was still around, he would have got a monster reaction. But he's still here. Now, of course, in the match, there was, conf- there was conflict between the Dark Order Conflict between some of them, mostly Evil Uno and Stu Grayson and Allen Five Angels. There was a miscommunication by Allen Angels and Evil Uno, and they're like, you know what? I had enough. 
Uno, Grayson, and Cabana, they trot, they walk to the back. Out comes Ty Conti, Anna J, Amanda Huber, negative one, who proceeds to throw a stack of papers at Evil Uno. Like father, like son. He is still there. And Amanda's telling them to get their head out of their ass. Like, get it together. Work together as a team. And then they just click right there. And the Dark Order got the win. And they embraced. And I thought this was a fun match and a feel-good moment. Even though I was not... I didn't like a a 16-man tag match. But I thought it was fun. And this was a nice way to honor uh, Brody Lee. In my honest opinion. I thought it was really nice. Then we got Leo Rush. Now, Leo Rush, he is officially signed with AEW. He retired. He wrestled. He retired. And now he's wrestling on AEW. Now, he appeared in a vignette to hype his return. And Rush wrestled once for the company in the Casino Battle Royal. Earlier this year at Double or Nothing. Now... He worked in GCW. He worked in New Japan after getting cut by WWE due to budget cuts. Still don't. I still think that's just an excuse. And Rush announced his retirement after an injury sustained in Double or Nothing. And it appears that he's been cleared in action. And the man of the hour pretty much says, I'm a businessman investing and helping paying off the debts for myself and those around me. And he, he is officially part of AEW, which, like I said, is a really good get for this company. I think it's really cool that he's part of the AEW roster. So, him versus Ray Phoenix. Him versus Jungle Boy. Leo Rush versus Darby Allin. Leo Rush versus um, Sammy Guevara. Leo Rush versus Brian Danielson. I mean, I'm just think, rattling matches off my head. Like, I think these are going to be great matches. Who knows? Anyway, we cut to Dan Lambert in the ring with Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, men of the year. Now, he makes fun of Jericho getting blasted in the face by Jorge Masvidal. I don't know if I pronounced it right. On Last week on Rampage. And he pretty much talks about Jericho being out of after the attack, and the crowd is just chanting, shut the fuck up. That's what they were chanting. They were chanting, shut the fuck up. And then there was there was the what chants. Scorpio Sky says, a year ago, he asked if fans were paying attention. He was one of the first champions and had one of the best winning percentages since day one. He won a f- the face of the Revolution ladder match, where he had that Sonic the Hedgehog ring, and it wasn't good enough. Sky says nobody was paying attention to him except for Lambert, and then the what chance, and Ethan Page just steamrolled the what chance. He calls the crowd idiots, and they don't pay attention to guys like them. Why? Because they don't give. They don't give people the middle finger. Wear folks leather. They aren't going to be ignored any longer. They talk, walk, and act like champions. And now they are rolling with champions in the American top team. So I thought this was a fine segment. I thought it was fine. 
we had Hikaru Shida. She will be returning on Dynamite. Thank Christ. Because I love me some Hikaru Shida. And she's looking for her 50th win on AEW against a returning Serena Deeb. So I think this should be a really good match next week on the second anniversary of Dynamite. So that will take place in Philly. I'm looking forward to that. I think that's going to be really good. We had Ty Conti and Anna Jay. They defeated the the Bunny and Penelope Ford. It It was okay. I thought it was an okay match. It was fine. Anna Jay put the Queen Slayer on uh, Penelope Ford, and she had nowhere to go. She tapped, bye-bye, uh, Penelope Ford. Oh, boy. MJF. MJF. MJF being the best heel ever. Now, he's in the ring, and he's telling production, cut my music. He says, they are from the upstate New York, and let's pipe this down a bit. Now, MJF says, I want to be given what I deserve. But he will get to that in a minute. He said that this company is building more and more momentum. And there's some younger guys. And there's a lot of younger guys in uh, AEW, which is great. That will take the company forward. And like the people we mentioned, MJF, Jungle Boy, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, those four pillars. He mentions Jungle Boy, beating him, Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara, beating him. Darby Allen, And he's just like, whatever. And myself. He says, without me, this company ain't shit. And he deserves to be the world champion. And he's calling out Tony Khan that, I, that he wants to be given what he wants. And if he don't, he's got an old friend in MLW up on speed dial. And he brings up Bruce Prichard, a f- name that I'd never want to hear. Like, fuck that guy. And he has Pritchard on speed dial. So out comes Darby Allen. And MJF is like, cut the music. And he's like, I'm not a fan of you interrupting me. But I know why you're here. You're jealous of me. He says, there's nothing wrong with being the second best guy. And I know. And he's like, Allen knows a great number two guy. Sting. And he says, I number one around here. And Darby Allen's like, MJF, you, like, just, he wants to leave, and if he doesn't get what he wants, then go. You want to leave? Go. I I will live and die for AEW until death. I'm AEW for life. And Allen says, how can MJF, how can MJF be in the number one pillar if you haven't even won a title. Like, and that's a, that's a nice point he made. And MJF says, I really enjoy your Batman voice. And he asks everybody why Alan is being straight edge. And you could tell CM Punk really loved that line. Because that was a stable in WWE. And then he gets personal. And I know people are going to be canceling MJF, but... He's doing a great job as a heel. He brings up Alan going in a car with his uncle when he was younger, and his uncle, who was drunk, died. And he said, the wrong man died that night. And he tells, what are you going to do? Come on, hit me. Hit me. But Alan's like, keep talking, MJF. Keep talking. And I won't be broken. 
mentally. And MJ, MJF was like, that's fine. And he decides to leave. So my theory is that they're going to do this match at full gear. Just long term. I think this is a full gear match waiting for us. And I think this is going to be really good. Finally, we have the main event. The TNT Championship is on the line. This was a great main event. A really great main event with a great outcome. Sammy Guevara puts away God's favorite champion with a beautiful go-to-hell, GTH, and a 630 to win the TNT Championship. Well fucking deserved for this guy. Well deserved for this guy. And he really deserves it. And I loved it. I thought it was really... I thought the match was really good. A really good match. And seriously, if you want to see that match, watch it. You'll, you'll thank me later. And I know next week on Dynamite, we got Sheeta versus uh, Serena Deeb. We got um, The Elite taking on... I believe it's Brian Danielson and Jurassic Express, if I'm correct. And we got the Casino Ladder match where the winner will receive a future shot at the AEW World Championship. Now, since that's the case, what if this is leading to the return of Hangman Page and he wins that? I think that's a great idea. Wins the title. We got Brian versus Omega at full gear. And Omega wins. Brian comes up short. And he's confronted by Hangman Page. And at resolution, that's where you do the title change. That's where you do the title change. I'm calling it right now. But man, I thought this was a fun show. Really enjoyable at that. So, that's how I feel about AEW. Alright guys, before we continue on with the episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Amino. Now, you may be asking yourself, Hey, uh, Shino, what the hell is Amino? Well, it's an app that is pretty much a network of communities that you can explore, discover, and obsess over things that you like. Say that you love video games. You want to join the video game communities on Amino. They have it. You like music. They have it on here. Like different genres. Like, for me personally, wrestling. Wrestling is one thing I go, that I really love. And... I'm part of Wrestling Amino, and I met a lot of amazing people on here. So, and it's fun to interact with everybody because they are very friendly, very friendly people out there. So, once again, if you want to try out Amino, it is free. I am part of Wrestling Amino right here, and th- like this is where I got started before I got into podcasting. So if you would like to download this app, it is 100% free. I am telling you, it is worth it. Download the Amino app and hopefully I can see you guys on Wrestling Amino. And now, back to the show. Now... Last week, we talked about AEW Grand Slam, which I thought they did a really good job in Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York. And how does good old Jim Cornette feel about 
uh, Grand Slam? And what does uh, he think about WWE reaction reaction to it? Um, this is what we got. Now, we know Vince McMahon is the chairman of WWE. And he oversees everything that goes on in the company. Right? And even right down to the most minute of details. He is also behind the recent mass releases in NXT. Actions that Triple H has no say whatsoever. Now, McMahon, um is larger than life and is known to do the craziest of things and many of which have been confirmed to be true. Now, good old Jim Cornette. Good old Jim Cornette. Um, <clears throat> spoke about this on his podcast. Now, he believes that WWE, the people in WWE should invoke the 25th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution as everyone else in the company wants McMahon to step down after AEW Grand Slam's success. Now, this is what Cornette said. <clears throat> I think everybody else in, that, in the company has got to be thinking, is there some way we could invoke the 25th Amendment on Vince? Because they have to at this point. Look, they, referring to AEW, they got 20,000 people in New York. Even Crockett. When Crockett went, went, was neck and neck with Vince in, in the 80s everywhere, we couldn't get a foothold in New York, even in WCW, during the Attitude Era. What did they do in New York, in the New York metropolitan area in Nassau Coliseum? And it doesn't hold 20,000 people. And also, and also, all they needed anybody in the WWE office or anybody in the company to uh, is to watch the television show they per they perpetrated on Tuesday night and then watch this one and go holy fuck so I like here's my take on this I don't think they're going to invoke the 25th amendment because people are people don't want to lose their position they don't want to lose their spot and they got to be thinking now Vince needs to step down. But do I see Vince stepping down? Of course not. He's going to run this company until he is dead. And that's what I think is going to happen. He, he ain't going to leave this company. He ain't going to step down. Because look, even if he does step down, who do you think he's going to give it to? He's probably going to give it to Nick Khan who doesn't know jack and shit about pro wrestling. And I don't want that either. So I'll take the lesser of two evils, thank you. So, I mean, here's the way I would put it. Like, if I'm anybody in WWE and you see how AEW is um, succeeding on that New York show, here's, uh, here's my take. Like, you got to look at them and they have to be looking and saying, man... We need to step up our game. Even when Mick Foley called out WWE and after All Out, telling them, hey, I don't think you guys, I don't think nobody wants to go to WWE to be their destination anymore. If I was a young up-and-coming talent, I would not go to WWE. I would probably go to AEW. And now, 
they really need to step up the game and prove that they that they could put on a good show to get fans interested instead of having like thousands of fans sitting there silent just watching a match dead you don't want that you don't want it just telling you right now so again i don't see it happening i would not be surprised if if somebody like i would be shocked if somebody actually invokes the 25th amendment and they want vince to step down but you got to ask yourself another question who's going to take charge of the company i mean as i mentioned you got nick khan who is the president because he might take over and you don't want that so just throwing that little wrench out there actually i'll just save the medium story for later because i find this story to be funny it's it's a funny story so let's move let's skip that and let's talk about bray wyatt if you guys want listen to my review of the Hell in a Cell in 2019, I went hard on the main event. If you're new to the podcast, after this episode, do yourself a favor, go to my archives and just listen to me rant about Hell in a Cell 2019. One of the dumbest endings I've ever seen. And I'm already getting fired up talking about it. My fists are clenching because I want to punch something. Like that ending was so bad that it it just left a bad taste in my mouth. And I did not record that review until like right before Monday Night Raw went on the air. So that's something. Now... Seth Rollins, he was the guest on Broken Skull Session. And he, it was on Peacock. I managed to watch it. Really good interview. And he said that he wanted to strangle the WWE chairman because of the booking for his match with Bray Wyatt. And it also involved the giant mallet. So the giant mallet is all right, but the small mallet is not okay. And not only that, Oh my goodness, just... Oh my goodness, just thinking about this fucking match just makes my blood boil. Like, you had, um... The red lighting, which fans could not even fucking see. You got the Hell in a Cell match. Like, it was just so boring. And the match sucked. It sucked. Like, let's be real, it fucking sucked. And... It was, like... Just... A nice summary, I could say it. Fans shat all over this match. They were shitting on it. Chance of we want refunds. AEW. When you have people in San Francisco chanting AEW, you know that you fucked up. And that's not a good look. Now, Bray Wyatt actually tweeted, wait until you hear my reaction, and... It could indicate that he might do an interview soon. With who? I don't know. And my mind literally thought about maybe talk is Jericho, maybe oral sessions with Renee Paquette, maybe busted open radio. I don't know who. But I do want to hear his his take. I want to hear his reaction about that that Hell in a Cell match because that was terrible. Absolutely terrible. 
And again, if you want to hear my thoughts on that match, go to my Hell in a Cell review. Just archived. It's archived. Like, it's all my old shit. Look, listen to what I said. Listen to what I said about the uh, the match. Because I went guns blazing. Literally, guns blazing. Not missing a single shot. Anyway, like, I will, I do want to hear what Bray Wyatt has to say because I think it's going to be something to look forward to because I want to hear what his talk, talk about his time in WWE and just go all in on, on his uh, career there and what's next for him because I, I just want to know. Like, I think that will be a story waiting in the wings. We got our location for the Royal Rumble next year. It will take place in St. Louis, Missouri, at the Dome uh, at America Center with 40,000 fans in attendance on January 29th, 2022. So... I thought they they said it was going to be in February, so by the end, it's literally by the end of January, so this should be pretty interesting. Looking forward to that match, and also you got to you got to remember, um, Kevin Owens, his contract. That's another talk in the town. His contract comes up, uh, literally soon, possibly till February. And I'm not sure if he might be re-signing with WWE. And if so, the Royal Rumble is his last um his last match and he goes somewhere else. Just don't know where. Maybe he goes all elite. He has friends down there. They they announced the Owen Hart Cup. And I think that's something they could do. I don't know. That might be his choice. But the Royal Rumble is in St. Louis. Looking forward to that. Hopefully, they pull off a big surprise. Because that's what everybody wants to see. They want to see some big surprises. That's that. Uh, let's talk Selena De La Renta. Now, there was talks about her um, coming to WWE. And... Renta actually spoke with Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful Select, and she actually confirmed the story that she was at the Performance Center earlier this year. And she also confirmed that she had talks with the company through Kiss, through Canyon Seaman. However, that changed when he got fired, and those conversations halted. She noted that while at the Performance Center, she wasn't asked to cut any promos, Instead, WWE wanted her to do a wrestling drills and was not part of a standard tryout with the company. While with MLW, Renta was the first uh, female analyst to be on MLW's Fusion Spanish announced team and was given a chance to be an exclusive producer for an episode of Fusion back in January. Now, Renta got into the pro wrestling business in 2016. That's just a little history lesson where she first went by the name Mila Naniki. Before going to MLW, she worked for IBIW and 
American Combat Wrestling, ACW. I mean, uh, I still think, like, if if she would have went to WWE, I guarantee she would have been part of uh, Legado del Fantasma. It would have been a perfect fit for her. But now that the talks have died down, I could see her, mm, like, there's AEW, there's Impact. I mean, I think Impact would be a good fit for her. But if she was in AEW, I, I would say she would have managed Andrade re- really good. She would have been a perfect manager for Andrade. So, like, that's one. But, man, you talk about... But I don't know what she's going to do. Maybe she's going to be back on the uh, independent scene. Maybe she's going to appear and shine. I don't know where uh, Selena Delawinta's plan is, but we're just going to have to uh, wait and see what they have in store for her or what she's got in store for us, for herself in the future. Uh, some sad news to report uh, to you guys in the uh, wrestling world. Um... Ryan Sakota, who was a former WWE star, he passed away on September 2nd, and it was it wasn't wasn't confirmed until September 27th. He passed away at the age of 48. Sakota he trained he trained under Rick uh, Baseman, and he started wrestling for UPW in California. He also wrestled for Zero One. And then he signed with WWE in 2003, where he became a henchman for Tajiri. He also teamed with Aikyo, who now is Jimmy Wang Yang. And Jimmy Wang Yang is somebody that I actually met at a Wildcat show. Really incredible person. And his daughter is really good, too. And uh, just want to mention that. But I know Jimmy Wang Yang is close with uh, Ryan uh, Sakota. I know... This this was a rough news to hear from him. Um, Sakota also had a run in Wrestle Society X, and years later he was part of a lawsuit against WWE that claimed he suffered serious injuries during his time working for them. He claimed he suffered uh, headaches, migraines, severe migraines, memory loss, and severe depression because of the blows he took while he wrestled. For WWE. The cases were dismissed. By the United States Supreme Court. And. Here I want to send my condolences. To uh. Ryan Sakota, And I know his friends and family. Went through this rough time. And that's something you don't want to hear. As a wrestling fan. You don't want to hear a wrestler. Passing away. And. It's one of the hardest things that we have to hear when it comes to the community. So, again, I want to send my condolences to Ryan Sakota's family and friends throughout this uh, difficult time. And just know that he's at peace. And that's all I could say right there. Um, I want to congratulate um, Ronda Rousey and her husband, Travis Brown, they gave birth to, um, I believe it's a baby girl, Lakea. I don't know how to pronounce uh, the middle name, but I'll try. Maka Lapuao Kalanipo. I don't know if I butchered that, but if I did, I apologize. 
Lakea Brown. So that's nice. Congrats to um congratulations to Rhonda and Travis Brown. And Rousey announced in April that she was pregnant. And the reason she left WWE is to start a family. And now she's gonna now she's a mom. So congrats to her and Travis. Because their parents, I'm very happy for them. And speaking of congratulations, I want to send my congratulations to uh, Juice Robinson and Tony Storm. Tony Storm revealed uh, that she got engaged to Juice Robinson. And all I can say is I'm very happy for her. Very, very happy for her. And I, and I can't wait to uh, see what they have planned for their future. Very happy. Very proud. I-, I love it. I think it's great. Really great. Anyway, let's get to the big story. There is a speculation. There's like a rumor going on right now in the pro wrestling world that WWE might be having a p- big pay-per-view next year. Get this. In the UK. Now... It's been speculation that WWE might be holding a big pay-per-view event in the UK for years now. But it certainly seems the possibility of that happening is getting closer to becoming a reality. When was the last time WWE held a big pay-per-view in the UK? Now, if I can remember, like exclude NXT because they went to London. The last one I remember was was it SummerSlam? Didn't they have SummerSlam in the UK? So, who knows? Now, it's been confirmed by both Drew McIntyre and Tyson Fury that WWE wanted them to work the main event of a pay-per-view event in the UK last year. But plans were nixed due to <clears throat> COVID. Thank you, COVID. Just thanks a lot. A rumor started earlier this week after... What Culture reported that WWE could be bringing a big show back in the UK in 2022. WWE hasn't hosted a pay-per-view in the UK since 1992. And in 1992, that was where SummerSlam was at. Now, due to it being the 30th anniversary of the show in the country, SummerSlam is speculated to be the event. Alex McCarthy reported today that Cardiff uh, Principality Stadium is WWE's front runner to host the event. Well, to hold the event, it was noted that WWE has been working on that venue for a number of months. And it was said that this is the preferred venue, but nothing is final right now. Now, he said plans for the WWE pay-per-view in the UK are looking very positive after last week. The venue, which has a retractable roof, can hold up to 74,500 people. And back in 2017, Anthony Joshua, uh, the Anthony Joshua fight. And you know what's funny? Joshua is my first name. Anthony is my middle name. So, like, I'm just giving y'all the heads up right there. That fight had over 78,000 fans in attendance. And look, I'm very happy for the people down there in the UK. If they get the green light, and it's not just that. There's Alex McCarthy also reported, um, like also reported on 
NXT UK working on plans to have fans in attendance for their TV tapings. And it was said that BT Sport has been lobbying to become NXT's UK's permanent home with the idea of welcoming fans back eminently. Per the reports, there were talks between both sides and they, and they are said to be confident they'll have fans in their studios for tapings. But logistics are still being worked out. So, I mean, I, like, that's the thing I missed about NXT UK. Just the crowd. Like, they were so energetic. And hopefully, we get to see that, you know? And, um, look, if in the 30th anniversary of SummerSlam in the UK, that is great. I think it's going to be really good if... Uh, sorry, I think it's going to be really good for the people in the UK. And if they go to Cardiff, like if they go to, if they go there and they fit like 78,000 people, 70,000 people in there, they might think about having a WrestleMania down here in the UK. And that would be the biggest accomplishment for them right there. Oh my goodness. Like I, I feel so happy for my friends down there to, and to the listeners of my podcast you're gonna get your you're gonna get your pay per view. You're good. You're getting your SummerSlam. Calling it, it's gonna be SummerSlam, and it's gonna be worth it. And I'm looking forward to hearing you, hearing you guys like bring that energy. If there's one thing I love about UK, the United Kingdom, I say this every time when it comes to the wrestling fans down here, like wherever, the UK are the best wrestling fans, possibly the best sports fans out there because they bring the energy. It's like every time I go, like every time I watch NXT UK when they have a crowd and like this was when Zach Gibson and James Drake were there and they were chanting, if you hate Gibson, shoes off. They are so creative with their chants. And I just, and I love it. I think it's really a good move on uh, WWE's part to actually bring a big pay-per-view down in the United Kingdom. Since we haven't had it since 1992. And I wasn't even born at that time. So, I think that's great news. I think the crowd's going to love it. And so far, everything is positive. For now. Now, let's talk about this other story that is just interesting. Wrestling Inc. and Fightful are reporting that Shane McMahon is no longer involved with WWE. It's the word that's going around that Shane is no longer involved. Now, Wrestling Inc. reported that he's no longer under contract, but WWE insists that he is still a WWE talent and under a deal. It was also noted that he is rarely seen at the WWE offices anymore. Now, it is unclear what this means for his future in the pro wrestling business, but this has happened before. Shane stepped away in 2009 and had no involvement in WWE until he returned in 2016. Another awesome return because I was a fan of Shane at the time. During his return, he was only contracted as a talent and not part of management. When he left in 2009, it was reportedly because of a falling out with his father. Now, the Godfather recently stated that Shane owns a cannabis co-op in California, so he has his hands in other businesses away from WWE. 
and there was a report that Vince and Shane, they still have a great relationship. It's not a falling out. I think he just wants to do his own thing now. And I've, I just find that to be interesting. The best in the world has left the building. And I don't know what's going to be next for uh, good old Shane O'Mac. But I think he's going to focus on his business. I think that's what's going to happen. In my honest opinion. So that's what we're going to get. Monday Night Raw took place in Cincinnati, Ohio at the Heritage Bank Center. This was the fallout of uh, Extreme Rules and the go-home show for the WWE Draft. We opened things with a match. WWE Champion Big E defending his title against Bobby Lashley. They were having a nice match. And when Big E did the suicide spear on uh, Bobby Lashley, my eyes were wide open with excitement. And do you want to know why my eyes were wide open with excitement? Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander, the fucking Hurt Business is back. And this also led to Kofi and Xavier coming in to aid uh, Big E, which led to a no contest because we got a brawl between the Hurt Business and the New Day. Adam Pearce comes out after the match. He's like, I've seen enough, damn it. He, may- he said this match needs a decisive winner. And he announces that Big E will defend his title against Lashley again. But this time... It will be inside of a steel cage. I thought the match was decent. It was good. And yes, that finish was a cop-out. And it led to the rematch again at um the main event. Which I thought it was really good. I thought the main event was really good. And I'm just going to... We might as well talk about the main event. That steel cage match was just on point. And... Like, they, they kicked each other's ass. That's the best way I could say it. They were beating the shit out of each other. You got the Hurt Business trying to get involved. New Day stopping them. You got um, uh, Xavier Woods. I believe he hit a super kick. Caught, um, I think Xavier, not, not Xavier Woods. He caught Cedric Alexander with a super kick. And I think that was a nice little homage to Chugs from the party. Adam Cole, baby. And um, we had Big E hitting the super big ending to retain in a really good match. Really good main event, if you want me to be real. Now, where does Bobby Lashley go from here? Since the draft is tonight, as I'm recording this. I could definitely see him moving to SmackDown. And they move the Hurt Business as well. And I think they're going to have a little change of scenery here. Uh, and I, I just think that's what's going to happen. Who knows? Because Lashley lost, uh, too many times. He lost too many times. And I think he might need a change of scenery. Who knows? Maybe he stays on Raw and he fused with the New Day. Just going to have to wait and see. But usually I don't trust WWE on how they do their draft pick. How they do their drafts. Because usually it leads to disappointment. That's the best way I could say it. Anyway. We had Angel Garza. 
with Humberto Carrillo in his corner, taking on Eric with Ivar in his corner. So they're really built, trying to build up the uh, tag team of Humberto and Angel Garza. They just need a tag team name. And Garza, he got the win to be- beating Eric. Was a fine match, I guess. Really didn't bother. Then we got the 24-7 championship uh, stuff between Reggie. Like, you guys know my thoughts on the 24-7 title. I'm not a fan of it. Um, So he defended his title against Ricochet. This is how low Ricochet has fallen. I don't know who he pissed off backstage, but, like, look, we knew this was inevitable. Two guys who do flippy shit are in the ring together. And they're both baby faces. And, of course, the match ended in a no contest when you got R-Truth and Gulak attacking. Ricochet fights them off. And so does Reggie. He knocks down Akira Tozawa. And he just runs off with his 24-7 title. Now, like, let me just... Now, speak... Now, before... I totally want to mention this because I totally forgot. Sheldon Benjamin is back with the Hurt Business. But this story is funny. Mia Yim and um, Shelton Benjamin, they have a history. Like, they are like rivals in a funny way. And she tweeted on Raw that she's offering up $20 for someone to take out Shelton Benjamin. And she loved the idea of the New Day Hurt Business feud. And... <laughs> Kofi responded, like, if you look at his Twitter, if you see his response, it was so perfect. Oh, my goodness. I was watching that five times last night, and I can't stop laughing at it because it's just so damn funny. It's so damn funny. Now, we don't know where Mia Yim's going to go, but I'm, I'm suspecting she's going to be on Monday Night Raw because she hasn't been, she hasn't been uh, on TV for a while. Last time we saw her, she was uh, part of Retribution. And now that stable's died down. So, hopefully we see her on Raw because God knows they need Mia Yim. They need Mia Yim. And besides, another... We had somebody who returned on Monday Night Raw, and we'll get to that in a second. Now, Riddle, he's riding his scooter. Kevin Patrick is stopping him, and he's asking him about his match with AJ Styles tonight. Now, Riddle says he's flying solo because Orton took the week off, but that's not the case because, according to Dave Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer, he reported that um, Randy Orton is currently not cleared. Well, no, Dave Meltzer reported that he didn't appear for the house show, but PW Insider, they, they report that he's not cleared to perform, and there's no detail on why he's not cleared. So, I don't know what it is, but there's no details that's just waiting for us, but we don't know when he might get back in the ring, so wherever he, whatever he's going through, like if he's injured or not, I hope he comes back stronger. That's, that's the reason why Orton is not on the show. Anyway, Riddle talks about Orton and attempting his comedy and... He sees AJ and Omas, and that ended the segment. We go back to the ring, and we see Akira Tozawa. He's still in the ring, and he's like, I want a match against 
our truth Drew Gulak or Drake Maverick. I don't care who it is. It could be anyone. And out comes the returning Keith Lee. Keith Bearcat Lee, and he has a new attitude. And he pretty much destroyed Akira Tozawa with the BBC, the Big Bang Catastrophe. And I think that was... Finally, I wanted to see that move be hit on the main roster. But look, I'm I'm happy that Keith Lee is back. And they might move they might keep him on Monday Night Raw. They might, um And if that's the case, then Mia Yim's probably gonna be staying on Monday Night Raw. So that's that. I thought the United States Championship match between Damian Priest and Sheamus in a no disqualification match was fucking awesome. I honestly thought that and the steel cage match was one of my favorite matches of the uh, on Monday Night Raw. Sheamus does not get enough credit because the guy can fucking go. And let me just mention this. Sheamus had to get surgery again on his broken nose. So, like, they had a really good match and uh, Damian Priest, he retained. Really awesome match. I think that's one of the matches I would recommend for you guys. Literally, watch it. I think it's really good. We had a six-man tag. Did not really care about this one. We had Jinder Mahal, Viren Shanky. They defeated Jeff Hardy, um, Ali, and Mansoor. So, I don't know. I, I I just did not care about this. I did not care about this at all. We had a pre we had a carrying cross pre-recorded uh promo says I never felt more rejuvenated, more reinvigorated and more alive than now. He says that I don't I only began to taste the erasing of souls and what I've done to so, some of your favorite superstars has been just a preliminary trial. No one truly knows where the other superstars will end up at the end, but he knows it'll all lead to w- one point. Cross get, talks about, like, he just ended his uh, promo by just saying, everyone were falling prey, just did not care about it, but Cross had a match against Jackson Riker, and he ended Jackson Riker's undefeated, oh, excuse me, hiccups, defeated uh, Jackson Riker. Ended his undefeated streak. And I just said, eh, that's fine by me. Anybody who beats up Jackson Riker is is fine by me. And Cross was the babyface, in my honest opinion. He was the babyface in my eyes. Because fuck Jackson Riker. I, I don't like him. I don't like him. Anyway. We go backstage and they announce that Charlotte Flair is going to issue an open challenge. Usually... When it comes to open challenges, you have to make it a surprise, right? Well, we go backstage and we see Dewdrop walk in and she answers Charlotte Flair's title shot. Now, DeVille, she doesn't think Dewdrop, doesn't want Dewdrop to think she doesn't deserve it because she definitely does more, she definitely deserves it more than Naomi. And DeVille likes the idea because Flair won't expect it. She tell she goes on and tells Dewdrop to promise to do her a little dance if she wins the title, in which we uh, we'll get to that match in a second. 
We had AJ Styles and Riddle. They had a really good match. I say this every time. AJ Styles and Matt Riddle, they have really good chemistry. And literally, this is another great match that they did on television. And those three matches, the steel cage match for the WWE Championship, the United States Championship no disqualification match, and you got AJ Styles and Matt Riddle. Those three matches are the best things on the show. I would recommend that you guys watch it. Because they went guns blazing. But AJ Styles, he defeated Riddle with the Styles Clash. I love that the Styles Clash is not just a signature move. It's not... Like, back then it was a signature move in WWE when they were trying to get the Phenomenal Forearm. But I just love that he won with the Styles Clash. Really good really good move. Possibly one of my favorite wrestling moves. But um, I don't know where this might lead to, but we're just going to have to wait and see. Now, here's what I want to talk about. The Raw Women's Division... I've been saving this for a long, long time. Now, we got the Raw Women's Champion match, open challenge, Charlotte Flair taking on Dewdrop. You want to know what I did? I went to the bathroom. Like, before I went to the bathroom, I literally tweeted, like, I'm pulling the tweet up right now on my phone, because this is what I said, and it's just so fucking accurate. Like... (laughs) I just love being right. I just love being right. I literally tweeted, I wouldn't be surprised if Eva Marie comes out, like comes in, and cost Dewdrop the match against Charlotte Flair. And somebody literally, somebody literally tweeted me, you won. And I'm like, eh, I'm right. Again. So, Eva Marie distracts Dewdrop. Charlotte Flair takes that distraction, hits her with a natural selection to retain the title. And Eva Marie is standing in the ring. She's standing in the ring doing her little pose, okay? And she Flair is just looking at her like, are you serious? And she drops Eva with a big boot. And... We're going to get back to Goldberg, but back, we're going to get to Goldberg in a second, but Eva Marie, she's in the ring, said, if I had the same title shot as Dewdrop did, I would have won the Raw Women's title. (laughs) Yeah, right. Now, Eva says, I'm tired of being taken advantage of. I'm tired of the disrespect from the fans. And she said, I can beat any woman in the locker room, and they all know it. Now, Eva Marie, she is about to walk out of the ring, and out comes Shayna Baszler. And Eva is just terrified, and she's trying to run away, but Baszler immediately puts the Kirafuda clutch on her, and she's tapping out, and she just passes out. And that was the tap, that was the nap, but what's more important is the snap. Shayna brings Eva Marie to the steel ring steps, bends her elbow, and stomps it against the steel. And Shayna standing tall over her, crowds chanting one more time. I don't think Shayna... I don't think it's a babyface turn. 
I just think this is Shayna being the NXT Shayna that she should have been a couple, like, a year ago. Like, that's what Shayna Baszler should have been on the main roster. That's how I feel, like, that's what it feels like. I don't think it's a babyface turn. But when you look at the Raw Women's Division, um, I know nobody's not going to talk about this. I know some people might, but you look at that Raw Women's Division with your current active competitors, it is super thin as hell. Like, just look who's on the roster that is actively competing. Charlotte Flair, she's your champion. Duh. Nikki Ash, Rhea Ripley, they're your women's tag team champions. They actually had a backstage uh, interview with Sarah Schriever, and Ripley talks about finding success together as they are opposites, and she said opposites are tracks. And um, they said what the, and these titles are what they have in common, and they're still working on a team name, which like it's super brutality is what Nikki said, but Ripley isn't interested in wearing a cape. God knows if they put a cape on, on Rhea Ripley, I'm like, yeah, no. But you got Nikki and Rhea, those that's three. You got Shayna Baszler, and you got Dewdrop. That's five active women on the Monday Night Raw roster. That's not enough. That Raw women's division is super thin. It is thin with talent. Look at SmackDown. You got Becky Lynch. You got Sasha Banks. You got Bianca Belair. You got Tony Storm. You got Liv Morgan, Carmella. You got Zelina Vega. You got Shotzi Blackheart. You got Tegan Knox. You got um, Naomi, and you also got Sonya Deville, who will be returning soon. That's 11 women active. That's 11 women on your show. Now, some of them might move to a different brand. Like, part of me thinks Bianca Belair might move to Monday Night Raw, and if she moves, so does the Street Profits. They move to Monday Night Raw. But, um, like, you look at the people who are currently... Either A, are out of action due to injury, B, paternity leave, or C, three, they're not being used. They have nothing for you. Like, Asuka, she is out with a with an, uh, shoulder injury. Like, you saw her wear a sling on some of her, uh, on her Twitter and on her Instagram. And, um, how would I, how's the best way I could put it? Like, she carried that company from 2020 to the beginning of 2021, and she deserves some rest. And I don't think Oscar might be coming back until she is 100%. That's just how I see it. Lacey Evans. She is out due to paternity leave. She is pregnant. So we don't know when she's going to give birth, but she's going to be out for a while. You got Dana Brooke. I don't know what the hell is going on with Dana Brooke. Like... Some people saying she might be pregnant. I don't know if that's the case. But we have not seen or heard from Dana Brooke. That's another one. You got Nia Jax, who is taking time off. You got Alexa Bliss, who is going to be having sinus surgery. And you got Eva Marie, who is reportedly going to be taking time off from WWE. And that women's division is in a state of a flux right now. So, how do you fix this? Well, you got three women who've been competing in dark matches. You got Dakota Kai. You got 
Zia Lee, and Aaliyah. Three women who've been competing on the dark match before either Raw or SmackDown goes on the air. And those three most likely are going to be called up, and I will move them to Monday Night Raw. I think that's what's going to happen. I feel like they're going to be moved uh, to Monday Night Raw, all three of them. Because God knows that that women's division on Raw is in shambles. And another thing you got to ask, Charlotte has beaten everybody on that roster. You need some fresh new faces. You need some fresh new blood. And that women's division is in desperate need of help. And that's all I got to say about that. But you also got you could also call up Casey Catanzaro and Kaden Carter. We have not we haven't seen them on uh, NXT that much. So I think it's their time. Like you think about a random call up Casey Catanzaro and Kaden Carter. There you go. Five call up for the women's from NXT on Raw. And I think that's what's going to happen. And I already talked about the main event with uh Bobby Lashley and Biggie Excellent stuff. Go watch that match. But on the whole, I thought um, I thought Raw was pretty decent. Those three matches are the reason why this show was really good. It was a decent show, in my honest opinion. NXT. Another week of this new era of NXT, and still it's a mixed bag for me. Um, but I thought tonight, I thought this week's show was okay. We open things off with uh, Electra Lopez versus B-Fab of Hit Row and Electra Lopez of Legado del Fantasma. And I thought the match was kind of alright. Like, that's just me being lenient. I just think those two are not ready for a long match. And um, Electra Lopez, she got the win. And um, speaking of Hit Row, now... There is some who might think Hit Row might be getting called up. One p one being uh John Alba. And I think they have a great they are great fit. But I just don't think they're I don't know if they're ready yet. But we'll just wait and see. And just B Fat made her debut last week, so I don't know. I I just think it's not the right time yet, because they have to conclude this storyline with. Legado del Fantasma and Hit Row. Can't just call them up right out of the blue. But that's one of the ideas that he's heard. And that's just an idea. It's not like it's going to happen or anything. I thought the honeymoon stuff with Dexter Loomis and Indy Hartwell was just funny. I I loved it. I thought it was comedy gold. Especially with Dexter Loomis. Now, Indy and Dexter, they're enjoying their day in the beach. You got Gargano and LeRae watching and they like they get in the ocean but they're scared away by a shark shark which was disguised by Johnny Gargano and they show another video of the honeymoon and you got Candace and uh Johnny talking about how Index are headed in their hotel room and what could go wrong there so Gargano pretends that he accidentally locked uh he lost his keys, so he goes into Indy's and he goes to Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis's room. Goes in his um. Goes through the suitcase, finds Indy's underwear, and he finds a long pack of condoms. 
So Indy and Dexter, they're, they enter the room, and Gargano scrambles immediately in the locker like in the uh, closet, and right before putting the shoes and back in the suitcase. So Indy jumps on Ben and tells Loomis to give it to her, and Gargano's thinking that they're having sex, but they're just having a pillow fight. I just love the overreacting to uh, Gargano. I thought that was pretty funny. Now, Indy's ready for a nap, and Gargano thinks they're asleep, and he sneaks out, and Loomis is wide awake. And he gives him a thumbs up. (laughs) He gives him a thumbs up, and he pulls the condoms out of his robe. I thought that was funny, but that was entertaining. That's how you do entertainment. Done right. No cringe, nothing. It was funny to me. And Gargano knows how to be funny. But there are times when he could be serious. So I think he's doing a really good job. Then we cut to Joe Gacy. He's in the ring sitting on the table. Not not on a table, on a chair. And I talked about his gimmick. I'm not a fan of it. But apparently some people in WWE seem that they're a fan of this gimmick because they got the mainstream attention, but they got it in a bad way. I'm not a fan of this gimmick. And I'm being completely honest. Because Joe Gacy can fucking wrestle. I don't want to see him in this goofy gimmick. Wrestling in whatever the hell he's wrestling in. Like, I want Joe Gacy to be the Joe Gacy that people remember on the indies. But nope, this is a new um, era. They're trying to trim away the indie. They're trying to strip, beat the indies out of you. Anyway... Joe Gacy says, contrary to popular opinion, this is our safe space. And he said, last week, I made a huge impact, and I've not been canceled. And this is like the reference of them pulling his tweets and videos from his last week promo, the the woke promo, after that mainstream attention. That's the one I was talking about. Gacy says he made a bigger impact than superstars like Ciampa, Roderick Strong and Braun Breaker using his words without throwing one punch because he speaks for a generation that no one understands except for us. The enlightened ones and the rest of you are living in a dark dark and obsolete world. Like, who does he think he is? Broken Matt Hardy? Because only he could use the word obsolete. Gacy says that last week when I returned to the locker room, I saw nothing but triggered faces last week. He says, like, I don't don't understand because because I'm inclusive and we can all we can solve all conflicts with a simple discussion and resolution. He goes on and says no one person can change the world, but he's here to usher in the world to a new normal. He doesn't want to take too much time because he knows a match is coming up, but he thanks everyone for their open mind. I thought this sucked. I honestly thought this sucked. Just, it's not needed. Just strip that gimmick away and let Joe Gacy go out there, please. That's all I gotta say. We had Zion Quinn. He got a win over uh, Oni Lorcan. That was a fine match. MSK. They're in the ring with Samantha Irvin, and she's asking the tag champs what's next. They say they will keep smoking the tag team division, and just because they have the titles, it doesn't mean 
they're content. They'll keep being the fighting champions. And they said, they said, um, they will be back when it doesn't matter if it's the old bulls of NXT or the new blood. Anyone can step up and get knocked back. And out comes the grizzled young vets. Gibson wants to know when their title shot is. And they said MSK's little reign means nothing until they defend against the Grizzle Young Vets. Like, literally, they should have won the titles first. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You got Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. They're up. And he shows his breakout tournament title shot and says he will be a champion. And he get, Trick gets hyped up and he wants to take those titles now. And... Zach Gibson doesn't even know what Trick and Carmelo just said. And he says the line for the title shot starts behind myself and Drake. MSK tells them, shut up. Just because the champs are talking. So they dare Carmelo and Hayes to uh, come for the titles because they will learn real quick. And they taunt Gibson and Drake saying that they can step up to get beat again. If they want. Now Gibson asks. Everyone here talks riddles. And then out comes Josh Briggs. And Brooks Jensen. And they. Were about to crack open a couple. Cold ones but they heard someone. Talking about the NXT tag titles. And Jensen. Hawks some trash and. They attack Trick and Hayes. This led to a big brawl with MSK standing tall. In the end. So that was pretty much that. I thought the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match was good. You had Io and Zoe. They retained their women's titles against JC Jane and Gigi Dolan. And I've seen people say that they should have won the titles. Why is Io still there? Let me ask y'all a question. A serious question. Do y'all really trust the main roster to book Io Shirai as a top star? Because I don't. And besides, it wasn't their time yet to win those titles. Like, you don't rush a stable that you just built up and just immediately put the titles on them. You need to give it time. They're not ready yet. They're just not, and I thought it was the right call. Like, I like I think EO and Zoe as a team, I mean, it's alright. But they would be so much better if they were singles competitors on NXT. But you know what? I think this is just them helping out the tag team division. And that's pretty much that. But I thought it was a I thought it was a good match. Now, this is what I loved. Braun Breaker. I say this about Rex Steiner every time. He is going to be a major player on NXT. And he we get a look at his recent success on NXT. He says the last two weeks. I feel like I've been shot out of a cannon. And he says that in the ring, I talk trash. My veins are bulging. And it's a white knuckle thrill ride. Knows, Braun knows there's a locker room full of studs in the back. <coughs> but he's here to whoop ass. He knows what he's saying is harsh. But, and I, and I love this line right here. I, this was funny. I laughed. He says, I don't give a shit. If you want a friend, go get a dog. I thought that was a really good line. 
literally got Scott Steiner in him. Um, because his goal is to be the NXT champion. He tells Tom- Tommaso Ciampa that I'm not a patient guy. And that's pretty much that. So we cut to Ciampa, who is being interviewed via satellite, and Vic asks him about Braun Breaker's comment. And Ciampa responds by saying, Braun had a hell of a video package in the first two weeks, and he is special, but maybe we don't need to put him in the Hall of Fame just yet. He says, I understand Braun is impatient. Message her loud and clear, but now Breaker can listen to the champ. And Ciampa says... Talk about how it took him more than 900 days to get back the title that he didn't even lose to begin with. And he says no one beats him for it before and no one will beat him for it now. Ciampa knows this match will happen eventually. And when it does, Breaker will drown in an ocean of inexperience. Love that line. I thought that was great. And that was pretty much that. We had Boa squash match against uh, Andre Chase. It was that was fine, I guess. Uh, that's the best way I can say it. It was okay. We had a really good NXT Cruiserweight Championship match between Gason Waller and Roderick Strong. I thought Gason Waller had a nice showing against Roddy, but Roderick Strong retained his uh, Cruiserweight Championship. They showed a vignette of Dante Chin and he says that he represents the spirit of Singapore and his people and he plans on making his own path in NXT his motto is passion precision and perseverance he says his journey has just begun and then we cut to Mackenzie Mitchell who is backstage with Cora Jade and Trey Baxter now she mentions how Jade has a match next week which means Cora Jade will be making her debut um Jay mentions the next, the match next week and how she is only 20 years old, the youngest here in NXT. She says, hopefully soon this place will become the generation of Jade. And Baxter says Jade will do better than he did last week. Just don't do what I did. And they kiss to end the segment. So I'm looking forward to Cora Jade's uh, debut and her singles debut on NXT. Looking forward to that. We got a talk show segment uh, with Lash Legend called Lashing Out with Lash Legend. She's talking about the draft and she says she knows a little bit about the draft, bringing her up of her experience in the WNBA. She talked about how Cora Jade and Trey Baxter kissed in the locker room. And I love this part right here. I thought this was this was funny to me and really good. She said if Jade wants a real man... Get one that looks like this, and it shows a photo of Ikmanjiro, who is really over with the crowd. And she she said the person who deserves a lash out of the week is Andre Chase. She calls him a Pee Wee Herman lookalike and knocks him down at his student for yelling at his students last week. And says that um she bets he wouldn't come do that to her because she'll whoop that boom, just just Nah, you know she was going to say, whoop that ass. And Lash said that she will see everyone next week, and that wraps up the segment. So, oh boy, that's going to be interesting, to say the least. I mean, she has some sass in her, I love it. 
But I just need to give it time to let it progress a little bit. I thought Kyle O'Reilly and Rich Holland had a meh match. I really wasn't into it. But Kyle O'Reilly won. Dunn attacked O'Reilly. Then out comes Von Wagner and he helps Kyle clear the ring. And that's pretty much that. We get the announcement that Tony D'Angelo will be making his debut next week. So that's that. And in the main event, Raquel Gonzalez and Frankie Monet had a okay match. Could have been better. But um, Raquel retained. And Toxic Attraction, they attacked um, Raquel Gonzalez. And Mandy Rose posed with the NXT Women's Championship. So it looks like that's going to be Raquel's next feud. I don't know. But on the, fl- on the whole, I thought NXT was solid. It was an okay show. But... Again, you still need to adjust what these supposed changes that they're making towards this this brand. Now they're treating it as a developmental territory instead of a third brand. So, I don't know. It just needs to take time. I don't know. SmackDown Live took place in Baltimore at the Royal Farms Arena. And this was night one of the WWE Draft. And... Like, this was all the show was about. The WWE draft. Even though there is Roman Reigns, and who is literally the biggest thing on the show right now. Possibly the biggest thing in this company. But, um, we're going to start with the draft. This is what how they opened the show. They started with Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville doing the draft. And it's four drafts. It's like half of superstars that are eligible for the draft and the rest are going to be free agents and they can sign to whatever um whatever brand they want so as we know the first pick smackdown selected roman reigns obviously and biggie stays in raw obviously they're both main champions charlotte flair charlotte flair has moved from raw from Raw to SmackDown. And I'll, I find that to be interesting, which I think that is a sign that Becky Lynch is possibly going to be moving to Monday Night Raw when they conclude with night two of the draft. And Bianca Belair is another person that's moved from SmackDown to Monday Night Raw. So we'll see where they go from there. And... The draft doesn't take effect until after Crown Jewel. Well, it would have made sense if you would just do Crown Jewel and then you do the draft. But WWE does not want to use common sense here. But anyway, Roman Reigns comes out. Show respect to your tribal chief. He says that the back of the shirt says, We the ones... Because he's number one. And he's telling Baltimore to acknowledge him. Heyman said, oh, come on. That wasn't good enough. He brags about how the demon is no longer undefeated. as Mojo. Because he ran into an exorcist named Roman Reigns. Heyman says, like a shark that swims around the island of relevancy. This shark only swims forward. And what this shark is looking forward to is crown jewel 
Trust me, I I don't look forward to Crown Jewel, but whatever. Um, which will not be held in Suplex City, bitch, because, ladies and gentlemen, Heyman says he assures us that the Beast will come up against the Suplexorcist, Roman Reigns. And he says Reigns will remain our Universal Champion, and he will smash Brock Lesnar at Crown Jewel. And out comes Brock Lesnar. Nice reaction. And um, you got a stare down between Reigns and Lesnar. Uh, Roman, he um, like he drops Lesnar with uh, the shot to the face, and he sends he sends him, no no no. Sending him to one knee, Lesnar comes back with a German suplex. The Usos come out, but they get suplexed. He took all of them to. He took the Bloodline to Suplex City. Now, Lesnar, he f fives Jimmy and Jay Uso, and he's staring down at Reigns and him and uh, Heyman, Reigns and Heyman, they go. To the back. So, I thought this segment was awesome. Really awesome. And it'll play a part. It also... I I just like this version of Brock Lesnar. He looks so badass with that beard. That ponytail. I just love the change. In character. Makes him look unique. And the roles are in reverse. Brock is the baby face. Roman is the heel. And this makes this more intriguing. And you also got Paul Heyman, who's also the, who is like also the main focus. And Paul Heyman does an excellent job with his acting. So that's like and I'll exp- I'll also say it again after um after we get to the backstage segment with Kayla Braxton, because I just thought this segment was really cool. Now, before we get into Corbin versus Owens, I did, I don't know if I forgot to mention Goldberg on Raw, but I think I totally did. But just quick recap, Goldberg appeared via satellite and he pretty much called out Lashley for choking his son out at SummerSlam. And he pretty much promises him that Lashley is going to be the victim. So... Clearly, this is building up Lashley versus Goldberg at Crown Jewel, in which Goldberg gets the win. And I feel like that's what's going to happen. Happy Corbin with Riddick Moss, who is no, now gone by Mad Cap, uh, Mad Cap uh, Moss. I, I just hate that name. I really, really hate that name. It sucks. But what also sucks is for Kevin Owens. Like, I don't know what's going on with KO. Honestly, I feel like after he lost to Corbin, I felt like he is on his way out of the company. And the Royal Rumble, we, we just talked about this. The Royal Rumble is by the end of January. Kevin Owens' contract doesn't end by the end of January. So... The Royal Rumble might be his final appearance in WWE. Maybe he goes with his friends in AEW. 
maybe that's where he's going to be at. That's just how I see it. Um, I don't know. But this this match, I honestly did not care about it. I did not care about it. Even though they did mention the end of days, now that Corbin is happy, Michael Cole mentioned that it's happy days. Get it? Sunday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days. Oh my goodness. Now I'm thinking about the happy days theme. I swear if they change this finisher to happy days, you should just have Pat McAfee on commentary singing happy days. Like, just, I feel like that's what's going to happen. Like, I, that's what I feel like they should do. But that that was that match. I think, like I mentioned, Kevin Owens, he's on his way out of the company. I, I think that he's just, I don't know. I, I just don't know what's next with KO. Because in WWE, because I don't, I honestly feel like he might be leaving. If not, I don't know what to do with him. Like, they might move into Monday Night Raw, but that's not going to change anything. It's just throwing him there for the sake of throwing him there. And I don't like saying that, but that's the case with, uh, with good old Kevin Owens. Round two of the draft. Drew McIntyre, he is moving to SmackDown. I think everybody called that. We RK Bro is staying on Raw, which likely means the Usos are staying on SmackDown. The New Day, they are moving to SmackDown, and the fans did not like that. They did not like this move at all, and I could see why. They reunited the the New Day. They were, they were potentially feuding with the Herb business. And they just moved them to SmackDown. Baltimore booed the shit out of that. They did not like it. And Edge, he is now going to be on Monday Night Raw. Now, speaking of Edge, we cut to his segment. Edge, he he's in the ring and he thinks Baltimore... And he says, I realize that I'm the only superstar who was around for the first days of SmackDown. So, I always felt like SmackDown is my home. But he's going to Raw in which the crowd boos. And he's like, look, it's okay because it's a new challenge. And now it brings me to Seth Rollins. Now he brings up how Rollins recently challenged him, knowing that I'm that he's not 100% clear. Or cleared yet. And he knows that he would have the advantage in a match. But Rollins also knows what kind of man Edge is. And knows he have to show up and answer the challenge. He says he's on his way to 100%. And he calls Rollins to the ring. And you see Rollins on the big screen doing his obnoxious laugh. <laughs> that laugh. And... He's at the front door of Edge's house and he storms and you see Edge storming out of the ring and the door is unlocked. Like, like seriously, who leaves the door unlocked? Like, I, I like it's just, just a life lesson. I don't know if this, 
I don't know if this happens. Um, like I've heard pe- some people in Canada leave their doors unlocked. I don't know. Like, like if somebody who's listening to this thing, if you're from Canada or if you're Canadian, let me know. Have you seen people leave doors like unlock or lights on? I I want to know. But um, he's taking. He goes in the fridge first, takes like an orange juice. Man, Orange Cassidy would be so disappointed in Seth Rollins for drinking orange juice. He sits in the dining room table, puts his feet up, and looks at the artwork that ki- that Edge's kid ma- kid made. Kids made. I can't even fucking speak today. Um, he says it's awful, and he's dancing around the house, and. He looks at the bag bag, the book bags hanging on the door. And he says, oh, that's so cute. And he's, and he says, Edge is a lucky man. And he walks past an office room and he sees a photo of Edge, Beth, and his kids sitting in the mantle. And Rollins says, oh, Edge, your daughters are gorgeous. But thank God they look like Beth. And he takes another seat on Edge's chair and I'm, Having this Chappelle show flashback, just him, Dave Chappelle being Rick James, like, I'm a fuck your couch. I'm a fuck your couch. That's what it reminded me of. And Rollins says, this is the homiest home he's ever been in his life. And he said he could stay here all night. And he's tosses the apple and he just laughs. We go backstage and we see Edge being frantic on the phone with his wife Beth he tells her not to go home but go to her brother's house and he says he's calling Daniel and David which I believe are the names of Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood for FTR and those guys are friends with Edge in real life they actually helped train Edge get back in the ring for his grand return and I'd say that's a nice, like I was realizing that uh, when I went to check the news, I'm like, wow, they actually got mentioned. And let let's pull up um, let's pull up Dax's uh tw- Twitter because I found this to be really funny. Because <laughs> it's just so cool to see that he looks out for his friend. He said, "I'll go over there right now." And beat his little bitch ass. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's funny. That is so funny. I love that. But I, he tells Beth that um he loves her and he hangs up the phone. And Pat McAfee is the guy who has common sense. Why call your friends when you could, I don't know, call the fucking police? That's what you should do, right? But Pat McAfee had common sense, but this segment was awesome. I thought this was a really good segment. What I thought was pointless was Liv Morgan versus Carmella. Again, they faced off at the pre-show of Extreme Rules. Why in God's name do we need to see this fucking match again? Why do we need to see this fucking match again? Seriously, WWE Logic 
but the match never happened. All all that happened was Liv Morgan just rushed in, attacked Carmella. Carmella takes the mic and she's calling Liv a bitch, saying that that's the last time that she'll break her beautiful face. And she has these two ladies come over and they put a sparkling mask to protect her face. And the crowd is chanting, you look stupid. And I just looked at it and I'm like, my God, that is so dumb. So as Car- Carmella returns to the ring and goes to work on Liv, she drops Liv and stands over. Like she hits her with a super kick and then hits the X Factor, stands over her and she takes the mask off and she's all smiles. Pointless is the best way to describe it. Pointless. A waste of time. That's it. A, ro- a waste of time. Now we get to the third round draft pick. Happy Corbin with Mad Cat Moss. They're staying on SmackDown. Oh joy. Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash, the women's tag team champions, are staying on Monday Night Raw. Hit Row. Hit Row. And I was just talking about Hit Row. Now, B-Fab, I mean, she's not there yet. But if she's there to be like this, like managing or something, or just, I, no, no, no. I think Hit Row would do fine. I just hope Vince understands what Hit Row is all about. Because if Triple H could give them creative control, like creative freedom, Vince should see the same thing. Like, I just hope they... Like, I don't want it to be a case where, like, Sanity, they get called up and they just never got the potential and they just felt like a bunch of jobbers. So, Hit Row leaves NXT and they move to Monday Night Raw. Now, what do you do with the NXT North American Championship? They're probably going to give it to Santos Escobar. I feel like that's what's going to happen. They're going to give it to Santos Escobar. And Keith Lee, he stays on Monday Night Raw, which is a no-brainer. So, that was round three. I thought um, the New Day and the Street Profits versus Alpha Academy and Dirty Dogs was a fun match. I thought it was really fun. The Baby Faces, they got the win here. And then we get the final pick for Night 1. I love... Sonya Deville's expression when she revealed that Naomi is staying on SmackDown. Again, that's a subtle hint that we're getting Naomi versus Sonya Deville at some capacity. Sonya Deville is going to come back and wrestle. She can't stay in this um, general manager uh, position anymore. We know she's going to get back in the ring soon. And this storyline has been fucking great. So, Naomi, she's staying on SmackDown. The Mysterios, Ray and Dominic, they're moving to Monday Night Raw. Jeff Hardy moves to SmackDown. Smart thing. Like, hopefully they build him up. Give him that one last run in the main title picture. Because you don't know how long you're going to have Jeff Hardy. And finally, another call-up, Austin Theory. He is going to Monday Night Raw, and I think this should be pretty good. 
hopefully he's booked well. And I just hope to God they don't change Austin Theory. The guy has it. Like, I've been saying it since I've been watching Evolve. This guy has it. There is no way you can fuck up Austin Theory. Like, no way. Now, Kayla Braxton. She's backstage with Jeff Hardy. And before Jeff could say a word, he stares face-to-face with Brock Lesnar. And I'm like, ooh, interesting. And Jeff backs away. He just leaves like, I don't want to deal with Brock Lesnar. I have painful memories dealing with this guy. Now, Lesnar, he's saying, hi, Kayla. And asking her if we're live and what she said, yes. He takes the mic and she leaves and Lesnar cutting the promo promo by himself as a baby face. He says, here's a public announcement to share. He thanks his good friend. No, he thanks his good friend, Paul Heyman, and says, now I'm a free agent all because of Paul Heyman. And due to that, I get to do what Brock Lesnar wants to do. And he drops the mic to end his little segment. We cut backstage and seeing the Usos and Roman just looking at disgust or just selling the F5 and German suplexes. I thought it was funny, but this is the best part of the show. The bloodline, they're sitting backstage. They're watching uh, Brock Lesnar's promo. And Reigns asks Paul Heyman if he was really good friends with Lesnar. Again, Brock is playing that mind game. And Heyman says, yeah, yes. And Reigns asks if they are friends. And then Heyman will look out for him and his family. And he asks, why are my cousins drafted to SmackDown tonight? And he's just stammering to find a reason. He's like, well, it's night one. And it could still happen on Monday Night Raw. And he's like, it's a strategy. And he says, I'm a wise man. And Reigns is just laughing. And I just love it when Roman yells at Paul Heyman. He's like, and it just, Paul Heyman just selling it like a kid is getting scolded by their parents. And Heyman is just pleading. And he's like, okay then. Let's follow the strategy and stick to the plan. And he wants Heyman to go to Monday Night Raw and make sure that the SmackDown Tag Team Champions are drafted to SmackDown. And He's telling him, do you understand? And Heyman says, yes. And Reigns says he wants the Usos to go with Heyman on Raw and make it very clear that they are drafted to SmackDown. And if they're not, leave Heyman for dead at Raw. So pretty much instant threat right there. I love it. I, th- I thought that was great. Paul Heyman was the MVP. Roman Reigns was MVP. That segment was just phenomenal. And I'm actually... Surprisingly enough, I'm looking forward to uh, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel. That's the only match I'm looking forward to. Because the roles are in reverse. 
Then we get to the main event. I thought it was good. Sasha Banks, she defeated Bay- uh, Bailey. God, I miss Bailey. Bianca Belair. Becky Lynch on commentary. No. Just no. She's She sounds so obnoxious on commentary. But look, I love me some Becky Lynch. And I get she's a heel. But um, it's just not it for me. On for her on commentary. So Sasha wins, and all of a sudden Charlotte comes in with a big boot on Sasha, and she hits a big boot on Bianca, and she poses with the Raw Women's Title while Becky stands on the commentary table and poses with the SmackDown Women's Title. So that's that. And I was listening to Sala Monster, and he brought up an idea about Charlotte Flair. Now, she's the Raw Women's Champion. That ten, and now we know this is going to mean that Becky Lynch is going to be moving to Monday Night Raw. I just hope to God that they don't play the lazy route by having um, Charlotte and Becky swap titles. They did that with the SmackDown Tag Team titles and the Raw Tag Team titles during the last draft. I don't want to see that again. You got three weeks left. Three weeks. And Solomonster brought up a really great idea that I love. You see how Shayna Baszler is going on a tear right now? You could have the common sense to have Shayna Baszler take the title from Charlotte Flair. And she could go to SmackDown without being a champion. It's a win-win situation. But then you're going to lead to another issue. If Becky Lynch moves to Raw, who are you going to crown as the new SmackDown Women's Champion if that's the case? So you're resolving one issue, but you're going to run into another issue. But trust me, I would not mind Shayna Baszler beating Charlotte Flair and beating her for the Raw Women's title. I think that should happen. But SmackDown, it was all about the draft. I mean, it was a... I give it a solid 5. A 5 out of 10. And finally, we got Rampage, which was taped. I thought um, it was fine. It was alright. But I love the opening, which is technically the main event. In my eyes. Brian Danielson and Nick Jackson, they had a really good match. And Brian Danielson, he got the win tapping out Nick Jackson. The Elite are circling the ring. And you got Christian Cage, Jurassic Express coming out to even the odds. Kenny Omega gets put in the LaBelle lock and he's tapping. Adam Cole gets put in the snare trap by Jungle Boy and he's tapping. So... This is just to build up to their match on uh, the second anniversary of Dynamite, which is next Wednesday in Philadelphia. Jay Cargill, Thunder Rosa, and Nyla Rose, they had, a, they had an okay match. Um, Jay Cargill, she got the win. She pinned Thunder Rosa. I would much rather... And here's the thing. Thunder Rosa is ranked number one in the women's division. And I think she should go down a little bit 
now that she lost to Jay Cargill, who is still undefeated, I don't know. I know they have to build up Thunder Rosa for next year. Because we all know she's going to be challenging Britt Baker and potentially beating Britt Baker for the uh, AEW Women's Championship. So I think that's what the plan is. I think Jade Cargill is going to be in line for the AEW Women's title at full gear. I don't know. Just going to have to wait and see. Then in the main event, it's a hair versus hair match. Orange Cassidy, he got the win over Jack Evans. And poor old Jack Evans had to be the sacrificial lamb. And I was thinking to myself, what if this leads to TH2, like Jack Evans, having enough of Matt Hardy's BS and he leaves HFO, and so does uh, Angelico, and they try to go and do their own thing. That's just an idea, but Jack Evans, he's bald. He's now going to live the rest, he's going to be living his life as being bald. And hey, it's not a bad thing. But that was Rampage, I mean, and I was just, I was discussing this with my brother, and this was a really true fact. You got Dark Elevation. You got Dynamite. You got Rampage. You know the crowd's gonna get exhausted. But, um... Like... I'm trying to be... Like, I just hope that... They play their cards smart. Because right now, they're just taping the, uh... Rampage shows. I mean, they had one live, and that was their debut... I feel like that's the thing I miss most is that I want to see the live again. But they also revealed the participants in the Casino Battle Royal, the Casino Ladder Match. You got Pack, Andrade, you got um, Orange Cassidy, Lance Archer, Matt Hardy, and the Joker, which I'm going to assume is Hangman Page. I think Hangman Page is going to make his return. He's going to win that. And he could stake claim that he won that ladder match and he gets a shot at the AEW world title. And you do it at Revolution and you beat Hangman, you beat Kenny Omega and Hangman Page is your AEW world champion. A long term plan. So I feel like that's what's going to happen. So... That's it for Rampage, and that's it for this podcast. That's it for this episode, guys. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. As usual, make sure you guys follow me on Twitter, at Phoenix. Make sure you like the Facebook page, No One's Ready for Wrestling. Um, Follow me on Twitter. I think I said that. Follow me on Twitter, Phoenix. And I said Instagram, CoolManSip, that's CYP. And follow me on Twitch. Gino Phoenix. And keep sending in your questions for the mailbag. It will remain open. I'm not closing it. Just email me your questions. It could be wrestling related. It could be about anything. The one and only Phoenix1993 at gmail.com. Please include your name and where you're from. That way I can shout you out on the show because I care for my awesome listeners. And I will see you guys next time for episode 135 of this podcast. So until then, take care, be safe. And it is the start of October. 
And I hope you guys have plans for Halloween. I don't know. I'm just being an early bird. But take care. Be safe. Support wrestling as much as you can. And this phoenix flies off. I'll talk to y'all later. Have a great day. God bless.